I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and of things many times are not great between you and I, but it's never stopped us from podcasting. I'm Av Sinensky, and Alex, after a recent spat on the HBO show's draft, I'd like to declare that while my relationship with you is over, my relationship with this podcast lives on. Hi, I'm Antoinette Spolar-Levine. So you want me to fill your car with treats and then lie for you. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here to discuss season eight, episode four, The Smiley Face, which originally aired on July 31st, 2011. But before we get to that, we have a uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm OG. Antoinette was uh, on the show from the very beginning. I think eight seasons total she was on the show. Probably the, the earliest guest that we've had on this podcast in terms of an actor on the show, right? Of, unless we include our, the promo that Larry himself appeared on the podcast. So Antoinette, welcome to the podcast. And we'll start with the question. The biggest question is, you know, you got in really on the ground floor of this show. And, you know, when you, when you first got involved, did you, did you know you were still going to be doing this years later? No, um, it's exciting. I've, it's great fun. It was a completely, I'm sure you've had a million other people on the show and you know that it's a completely improvised show that um, ripped. Can I tell you how I got the part? Yeah, of course. Sure. I actually went in, I had done a one woman show that Nora Dunn directed and I had done these producer, you know, actors always do stuff for free. And, you know, I'd done five years for these producers of um, pilot presentations. So they saw my woman show, they go, hey, we want you to come in, you know, and, and audition for a show we're doing. This was our first year producers on Curb. And I'm like, uh, oh, great, thank you. So I knew absolutely you know, going into this at all. I'm in the lobby and they go, hey, this the Seinfeld guy is, is um, it's his show. They're, they're, and they had little slips of paper that you, that, of suggestions, you know, that they were gonna run you through. And I, you know, I was with the groundlings and all that and, and an improviser. So I see Meryl Marco, come out of the room and I'm like oh my god is that Meryl Marco you know David Letterman's ex-girlfriend um and I'm like holy Moses like wait a second is Larry David in there they're like yeah so I was like it was huge and I was not prepared for this I just sort of went in so um I was auditioning to be a hostess in the first episode with Kathy Griffin Kathy Griffin by the way who was my uh song improv teacher at the Groundlings so that's funny uh oh wow maybe only to me the irony but Kathy, yes. No, that's funny. She, yeah. Oh, oh, so many stories. So yes, Kathy was my song improv teacher. And I um, I went in there. And the way I got the job, I started speaking fake French to Larry. My grandfather was from Paris. I, I did as much as I could know. But I kept slightly, I, uh, you know, he was putting in his name. You know, he said he had a reservation. I kept denying it. And, and I kept blowing them off basically and then just when you say first. when you say when you say fake french like you mean like you were just like saying gibberish in french but to someone who doesn't speak french sounds like french exactly because it, yeah. i would just uh, oh i have a, I have a, I have a friend who's really good at doing that in like six different languages it's, it's like really funny to say it, it's fun and so and larry found that amusing and but i would i lightly insulted him by just saying listen david i don't i, I don't know 
I'm sorry, we don't have your reservation. He goes, well, it's Larry David. And I'm said, I don't care what your name. I'm sorry. Bonsoir, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. And so I would just do that. And I kept answering the phone and ignoring him. And then, you know, I did that. And we talked a little bit. And I said, I can't let you in because that looks bad to other people. I'm sure you're very important. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so I cut to, I go, so it's one, it's a one-off. It's a one episode audition. And I get a call from my agent who basically says they want to make you recurring. They want to make you his assistant. And I had the moment of like, I got down, you know, after all the auditions and all the years of stuff, you just are sort of like, I can't believe this happened. It was kind of a nice little moment, you know, like one of those things where you, you're not expecting any of that to happen. And it happens after years of dues paying. <laughs> so. yeah, it's, 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 it's funny that like that was like your initial read because like I feel like Antoinette, um, the character and, and maybe the person as well, I guess I think we're going to get into that a little bit at some point later. Um, like one of her quintessential characteristics is kind of a, an essential curb characteristic in that it's like these people that Larry David encounters in everyday life that should not have power over him because like he's Larry David and he's a big deal and he's a billionaire. And yet, you know, as he tries to navigate society, people that like he, you know, would otherwise view as like being kind of like above him, like just carry this like weight over him. It's like they get to determine like whether or not he gets bagel. Exactly. And I, and I think for my character, um, one of the things I tried to put in there, I mean, she's not really like me, but she right. obviously things like Sam Pancake is an actor. And he's a friend of mine. He goes, it's so weird because it's you, but it's not you. I said, I know, but it's like when you're doing, because you're even you using have, your first name. So it's really like identifies, especially people. Who okay, know I know. And can I just say a lot of thought, I think what <laughs> it took them two years to give me a name yeah i was so i, I want to get into this yes so it took them two years to give you a name and then the name that they came up with after two years was antoinette yes like it took them two years to be like oh let's just call her her name let's just call her that which is like I a know. thing that we constantly do on this show anyway i know it's just it's so funny because i will tell you there's the the cob the bob cobb salad episode where i'm standing in the door he goes i want you to find everything out about the the cob salad i'm like okay uh-huh anyway I'm waiting to shoot that scene and it's Larry Charles and Larry David sitting um, in the office, basically. And what's Larry's office? You know, the first few seasons, everything was, was at his office in Santa Monica. You know what I mean? Both offices were in Santa Monica. So there was not a huge expanse on sets because we just, I literally just would, his real life assistant would get up from her desk. And then I would go take her place and just sit down at her desk. <laughs> so. And then would she, um, would she be standing off to the side, yelling at you things to say, sort of like how Jason Alexander does to Larry when Larry's playing George. And uh... <laughs> No, it, I mean, all that was me. Like, yeah. Well, I yeah was, she's not an actress. That was a joke. Was you know, a joke. Was so, yeah. Oh no, I know. And I'm so serious. I'm like just way too into it, but um, <laughs> you're so cute. Anyway, it was just funny because Larry, the, the Larrys are talking and I hear this over the, the, the mic, you know, or in my ear or something I hear, uh, send in the girl. And that was me. <laughs> wow. Okay. At some point, and I never said anything, but I just found that terribly amusing. Uh, send in the girl. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I've been here for a while, but I, I do love that they just finally came up with, 
with using my name for that. <laughs> yeah. So, so just like running through like the, the your your name like actually several different things according to at least IMDb. So as we just said, like for the first six um, through the baptism, you're just Larry's receptionist. Then the, in 2002, the two episodes you're in, you're just credited as Antoinette. Then we, IMDb starts doing this thing that happens a lot on Curve because Curve because people play some variation of themselves where you are Antoinette parentheses as Antoinette Spolar Levine, or I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name, which I, I think it means like you're playing yourself, but like not really yourself. I tried to look it up on in IMDb once. I didn't really understand. I don't know if you have any insight into what that means. Absolutely no insight. And I think you know more than I do, which I think is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I did some, I did some digging. On the show, they gave well, me Joanne early as my mother, which was like one of the great gifts. Well, but, they kind of do because they, or at least they tell us that your father's name is O'Malley. We learn in this episode. Right. Yeah. So all this, I'm Irish, which is great because I'm French, but I, and I have a, an affinity and I love, listen, my apartment was decorated like an Irish bed and breakfast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so there it was. And now it's sort that of like tracks. English, Yeah. So now it's like an English tea room. Like if Jane Austen and Miss um, Marple you know, Agatha Christie's Miss Marple had an apartment. That's what mine looks like. It's now, like I'm, I'm like an old British woman. My, my right. question is, what happens to Antoinette in season seven? Because she gets replaced in, in that season with Jillian Bell, who comes yeah. in and plays. Yeah, but that's at the NBC lot. You know, that's a whole separate location. So, you know, Antoinette is, you know, manning things back at the normal office. But like Larry oh, was busy with Seinfeld during that time period. So like he had like NBC had his a whole setup there. Like Antoinette wasn't necessary to be on location. Mm, I see. So, so Antoinette's still working in the home office. Me. There you go. <laughs> well, was that Antoinette's, Antoinette Spola or Antoinette uh, O'Malley? I got married. I got engaged during Curb. I, I got married during Curb. I had a baby during Curb. I got divorced. It was rather, well, you know, HBO, many seasons. It takes a long time to get things done. So, yeah. So, I mean, so I guess you and Larry were going through uh, similar life changes around around the time. So true. It was, it was very funny, too, because he was, um, you know, he's not about, He's not a big hugger. He's a yeah, genius. We'll, we'll see that in this, this episode. Yeah. He's very, <laughs> but I had great fun. You said he's that. a genius. You said he's a genius. He is a genius. Yeah. I mean, he's a genius, but is there, it's like there's something that like you could like share like a, a, a particular trait that he has that's like, that always like stood out to you as like, wow, that guy is a genius. There's a couple of things that really. I mean, he has created, he's, he's done something very iconic with both Herb and Seinfeld, obviously, and taking the, the minuscule things of every day and blowing them up so everybody can look at them and relate to them, right? And when we were doing the, this last episode, The Smiley Face, I've never, I was so terrified of breaking, I, I never wanted because I mean, like, oh, we're going, which this is taking too long. And I wanted to be like, you know, my, whatever I shot, they would usually shoot like back-to-back episodes with me. So it would, it would be, you know what I mean? I wouldn't get to see him that often. So I didn't want to disappoint, you know, it's like your dad. I've got daddy issues. Um, <laughs> you want to make sure that you, you, I wanted to make him happy, but he did make me, and, and this is my long-winded answer is that we, I'm sitting at my father O'Malley's bed and 
you know, in the hospital. And he goes, he goes I, I need you back at the office. He didn't make the cut, but I just love it when he goes, I, I, I don't know where anything is. I can't do anything. He goes, I can't find that rubber ball, band ball right. that you made. Right. And for some reason, that just sent me over the top. I just completely broke. I wasn't expecting that. And it just made me laugh so hard because I thought, who thinks of that? Who thinks of their sec- their assistant making a rubber band ball? Right. I mean, it's just... I just thought that was brilliant. And the other thing I thought was brilliant, which was one of my favorite scenes on Curb ever is, and I couldn't, I was watching him watch dailies when I, when we first started shooting, this might've been our first season. And he was fighting that little red haired girl on the piano during the recital. Yeah. 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 For the uh, road syndrome. (laughs) And he's fighting with this little red haired girl. And I, I, out of my laugh, he goes, Oh, you think that's funny. Do you? And I said, yes, I do. I barely knew Larry then, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing because I just thought it's brilliant. I mean, it's so <laughs> wrong in so many ways, having him get into a physical brawl with a kid. But I just thought that's, yeah, that so he it still makes me laugh. He, he somehow has always like managed to like perfectly navigate that line um, without getting in trouble. Um, or maybe he does. And yeah. when, when he just has enough people that think he's hilarious that he, you know, marches on. Um, but he just like, he, it's like, oh, he's always just like a little bit ahead of the curve, I think. So it's like, it's a little bit over the top, but it's like at a, a certain point, um, like he, he does have just like these insights into things that, you know, become like universal truths, even if the, not everything ages too well. Right. And he knows exactly what he wants. I would always try and like surprise him with references and like phone, phone messages so that was one of my things, like the first two seasons where I'd say, oh, this person called. So I remember the, I think it was the first season I did the show. I said, Larry, Howard Stern called. Please don't call him back. <laughs> and then he goes, that's very funny, but you don't say that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Basically, you know, that sometimes it, you, it's like, I would go for it and he would let me, or sometimes he would just, he would laugh and say, well, oh, let's do this, you know? But it's it's fun. I mean, definitely in the smiley face episode when I walk in and I'm upset because, you know, basically my father dies because he has me come back to the office, you know, and I'm not there for it. Right. Uh, and I remember Jeff Garland yelling, don't cry. And I kept make I made him break, which was like so flattering for me. Right. And so Larry started laughing because I was doing the prank. Well, Larry my father died, you know, that kind of thing. And, and Jeff was like, don't do fake crying. And then Larry's like, no, keep it. I like it. And I'm like, Oh, yay. <laughs> you know, good. You Very also, funny. you also get Larry to yell at you more than I think just about any other character in the series. When you tell him in front of Tesla about the tickle in his anus, he just starts screaming at you almost like Susie at Jeff, you know, shut the fuck up. Just yeah. Like, we're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Don't spoil the rest of the podcast. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, so just like a couple more questions before we, we're going to get into some clips soon, but um, oh my gosh. yeah. So a couple more questions, Um, kind of both to have to deal with just like being on the show for a period of time, as opposed to almost everybody else with the exception of um, nine people. There's actually, this is a good, this is a fun, uh, fun trivia question. Um, there are nine people who have been on the show more times than you. You're the, you're tied for 10th for the most uh, curb episodes. I mean, we've had people on this, on this podcast who have appeared on one. We've had a couple people who've appeared on two. We had a person who appeared on one episode of this and two episodes of Seinfeld. We could count that as uh, you know, two and a half or something. Um, you've been on 13 episodes. Uh, as I said, top 10. 
Yeah. So like um, other than, you know, Larry, Errol, Jeff, Susie, you know, you're like right there in that next uh, group. So like, A, like at what point did like you feel like, OK, like I'm on this show. Like this isn't just like, oh, like I got a part of the first episode. Oh, I'm going to be maybe another. It's like, oh, I'm like going to be in multiple episodes for, you know, I'm like a regular part of this this uh, program. Which one? Well, you know, I guess I I'm going to be honest that I never take right. anything for granted. So I ever was ever just as a rule. I mean, I was extremely proud and loved every moment of it and had no, I mean, sad that I wasn't invited back. I still have no idea where that is. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's the way that things happen that show. I you're just like, Oh dear, every place so terrible. But, um, but I, I think I ever took it for granted. So I think I was just so grateful every time I was back because I, I had such a great time and I try to be a person on a whole where I focus on the totality of life. You know what I right. mean? Um, that I'm like, wow, I'm really privileged to be part of something like this. And so, yeah, I mean, I felt like, Hey, I recur on the show. Great. You know, I mean, you know, this is a show that really like really at the a part of the essence of what's interesting about the show being like Larry David's assistant on your professional resume. Yeah, like I see on your on your Twitter bio, you say actress colon Larry David's assistant curb enthusiasm. I would just change that actress from the, that colon to a period being like you're an actress. Also, you were Larry David's assistant for eight seasons. And then, you know, your other you know, owner of the of the Pemberley Design Studio, Proud Mother, yeah. Liberal, all that. But one of the, your items is that you were actually his assistant. I think that will like um, enhance your resume. It'd be like, oh, like, like she like knows Larry David really well. She handles all his affairs. Um, <laughs> that will get you in some doors. Right. Yeah. Just, you know, kind of on that point, um, like, you know, you were, you're one of the few people that was really, that we, you know, only one that we've spoken to who was like on the show over the period of time where like Curb started out as this like very small niche thing that like, but some people watch and like you're like, oh, what's this show? Oh, it's the guy who made Seinfeld. And people be like, yeah, you know, Jerry Seinfeld. I saw his show. Like that ended, and like you would almost have to explain to them like what this whole thing is. To the and then like by by the time we're up to now, and like really after you left the show, or since you've last been on the show, I don't know if you've technically left the show. Celebrities are like randomly coming on as like a you know, almost like a Simpsons level cameo that it's like a thing to be on Kirby Enthusiasm. Like right. you've really seen this show grow from like one thing to like this like very small thing to this like real like cultural icon where like even if people do, who don't watch Kirby Enthusiasm like, know what Larry David is like know what Kurt like know what like that sort of whole um you know what the gist of it is um like I wonder if you could just like speak to that a little bit about just like watching a show like grow at like over the time that you were on it to, like such different heights yeah I mean from craft services so I hope it's not going to be offensive to Larry or anybody on the show like I said, the first few years we shot at literally the location was his office. That was it. You know, we actually, I always right. shot it when we got to the Lantana building, but it was in the Curb Your Enthusiasm office. Right. Mm-hmm. But just going from first season, they said, um, Antoinette, can you come, <laughs> can you come having had, which means can you come having like eaten? And then can you come, can you bring like some choices for us in wardrobe? Outfit. I put my hair in hair curlers, and so there's no budget for the show. And it's you know, here's Larry David, the creative side of all this stuff. So we would do that, and then all of a sudden, we cut to 
you know, a couple of years later and then we're like, cater tents, you know what I mean? Like it was great. And they're like, all these, I'm having these like huge, like here, try these shoes on. Yeah, we're this, it, it, it just evolved. It was just so funny. Like I wouldn't be showing up with my own makeup and clothes. And it is amazing. Like all the people that have been on that show. Like, you know, I remember Mel Brooks, which, and the sad thing is I never got to meet them. Right. Cause you're not in their scene. The yeah. Office. I got to meet Michael. I mean, and I've met. Uh, well, that's a Michael, that's a plot point. Larry says no one's ever coming to to him for a meeting. There, he's always the one traveling. So, like, they actually exactly. built that into the show, right? And so, you know, you you look at all the. Um, I never got to meet anybody because I was always there. So you look at these episodes and you go, "Oh my God, Mel Brooks!" Like right. Mel Brooks is is a big plot point in like the episode that I love. You know where I I, I I'm upset about my boyfriend dumping me and then um you know you dumped you dumped him i believe let's uh let's oh or it's like it's a little bit of a back and forth right like it's yeah it's something to do with uh yeah it's unclear we i remember we when we broke that down it kind of doesn't really add up um yeah he broke, yeah. He broke we broke up and I'm, th- I'm thinking he's calling me you know, I'm right, all right right and he's like hanging and I'm up supposed to drop off things to mel brook and then i just you know then i you know, flip out at him, you know, right. everybody's going to know every dirty, filthy secret about you. Well, I never, I would have loved to, I mean, Mel Brooks, are you kidding me? Right. I would have loved to. Him. I mean, you just think about, oh my God, Mel Brooks is on the show. Yeah, it's too bad you couldn't, I mean, you didn't have your head in the game that day yet because of your boyfriend, you might've gotten to meet Mel Brooks. Exactly. There you go. I mean, I did get to go on location in Malibu. That was fun. I actually got out of the office, which was huge, but um, yeah, it would have been, but yeah, it is interesting to see how, the show evolved and like the cast parties were amazing. Yeah, I'm sure. People, yeah. It's like, and once again, those would evolve to a bigger thing and the cast gifts. Like you just see how it all kind of, you know, every year it, it, it got it's bigger and bigger and very exciting. Yeah. Uh, I remember my, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we, um, we, why don't we jump into some clips? We're going to start, we're just going to, we're going to zoom out a little bit. We're going to go back to um, some earlier episodes and like uh, I've put together this uh, reel, which you'll see in a second. Um, naturally it's called uh, the best of Antoinette. Oh my God. You're so sweet. Oh, we're going to see oh, me at all these different weights, <laughs> younger, skinnier. <laughs> all right. So we're going to start, we're going to go all the way back to this is all the way back in the bracelet, which is like, I think season one, episode four or five or so. So this is really, you know, the very early part of the season. Um, and uh, Larry comes into the office one day and he's uh, a little, uh, he's not looking so good. Hey, wait a second. Wait a second. You haven't shaved? All right, what's going on? Nothing. No, 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 no. Something's oh, no, up with no. you. Come Cheryl's on. not talking to me. That's all. All right. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Well, I was watching the game, the football game, and she'd been away for four days, and she comes home with two minutes left to go in the game, and my attention was diverted and... Uh... Oh, Larry, Larry, Larry. You gotta get her a gift. You can't come home empty-handed, absolutely not. Yeah. We were at this jewelry store a couple of weeks ago. There you go. 23rd Street Jewelers, and she was looking at this bracelet and it had it was platinum had like little diamonds in it Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah that's it yeah oh is that it uh-huh. yeah that's what i was afraid of <laughs> um, so um that's a scene i chose um from early on because um one thing that was striking me, i watched a bunch of your clips uh the last few days from all the episodes that you were in and that 
you know, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, it's a trope at this point, like on TV or even in real life that like, you know, a person, a man's secretary is like his work wife or whatever like that. But on this show, at least you like, you really do like uh, play a very similar role to Cheryl and just like being this like stabilizing, moderating constant in Larry's life. Um, that kind of like keeps him on track. Like no one else is noticing if Larry walks in one day, like not shaven and like schlumpy. Like it's only if like if Cheryl's not around, it's going to be Antoinette who calls it out and like gets him back on track. And I used to think that, like I used to say, you know, I, I mean, obviously stuff ended up, ended up on the editing floor, but it's like, you know, um, I'd say stuff about like, yeah, I know where the good sushi places are. Somebody got, you know, like, like things like that, right. like I always a slight, like I know more about his life than like I know your blood type, you know that kind of thing. It's like it was it was always that sort of you know yeah like in certain ways I knew more about him than Cheryl, and then there were things I'd look at him and I go you look like a young victim moan in that golfing outfit like like <laughs> the golfing outfit. that made him laugh. It didn't make the edit, but you know, <laughs> but there was that that thing between us like his doctor's appointments and I I did always feel that about my character like. I took pride in the fact that I almost knew more about him than Cheryl did. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, what's, what's interesting, what we've noted several times on the show is that like, you know, the people who know what, you know, where the show kind of goes is like Larry kind of like really goes off the rails with his behavior. And like, you know, the second half of season eight, when he goes to New York and then season nine and season 10, like he just becomes like kind of zanier and zanier. Um, and that's like largely due to the fact that like, you know, Cheryl's out of his life. Um, he's like replaced Cheryl with Leon. But what I think we see from this episode is that, you know, I think we could say that the absence of Antoinette um, also plays, you know, a very huge role in the fact that, like, Larry just, like, doesn't have that person who's, like, looking over his shoulder and being like, Larry, um, you might be doing, you know, a little bit much here. You know, let's uh, let's rein that in a bit. He's just like, you know, he's got like Leon and the Funk Man or his supervisors now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I didn't think about that, too, but that that is true. And that was always a very, like it is definitely I, it always struck me as the work wife where it's just like you don't have to just answer to cheryl you also have to answer to me right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you know kind of his nightmare basically <laughs> yeah and it's like it's it's funny because yeah. like larry encounters all these sorts of characters we were saying before but it's like he's your boss like like he, he technically like you're not a, he's not accountable to you you're accountable to him and yet it's like you're his boss in, in like actuality like he reports to you Right, Girls Gone Wild, Larry. That whole like, <laughs> right? Don't for just. I love that. It's just like, and it was supposed on. to be college girls gone wild. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, and just being disgusted because, and that is something that I would have said. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't a. That was definitely a. You know, Antoinette comment. It's like really. Um. Okay, um, now we're going to jump uh, a little bit forward in the series, and uh, this is from uh, Trick or Treat, um, and uh, we've had a reference this one before, but we'll see it again. Here's what I want you to do. Okay. I want you to go on the internet and get some information from me on the Cobb salad. Who invented it? Where it comes from? Okay, I'll, I'll get on that right now. All right, see what you could find out. Right away. Larry? everything okay oh the salad stuff yeah okay <laughs> so the Cobb salad was created that the legendary brown derby in hollywood the owner bob cobb was hungry one night in the middle of the night he went downstairs and he he came up with it he it got salad and it wasn't the drake hotel in chicago no it was here in hollywood you remember that let me let me see that 
created the Brown Derby in Hollywood. Right. Cliff Cobb, my friend Cliff Cobb, lied to me about the Cobb salad. His grandfather didn't invent it. Bob Cobb did. The maestro. Send in the girl. <laughs> that was the send in the girl episode. Send in the girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in your capacity as uh, Larry David's personal uh, assistant, what, what percentage of, you, of that job would you say entailed digging up dirt on the internet about people that annoyed him at dinner parties? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I'm sure there was always that. <laughs> like there was always don't you think he would always had to have a little something like do me a favor yeah. like look this up oh i'm sure like 70 percent wouldn't you but, say yeah you can also like, impress for- him so easily though with just going to wikipedia because he's such a luddite that he doesn't know it exists the character anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right where it's just like it's just so funny like i look at that that's that that's the thing i go he, he he goes i tucked in is that the episode where he goes i tucked in like you look good tucked. yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> that's the victim own. That's that's one of the things that got cut. Oh, victim own didn't make it. Poor victim own. Me and my old references from growing up watching old movies. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Admit, I have to apologize and admit I don't get that reference. <laughs> Who's Which, I know because you didn't grow up. My grandparents were a huge influence on me, mm-hmm. and I grew up watching these old, all these old time things. I mean, listen, Dame May Witty. She was famous in the twenties. Nobody knows who she is. <laughs> right. That's me. Um, okay. Um, it's, I'm going to jump now unless somebody has uh, something more on uh, the Cobb salad. Um, I wanted to jump over to Wandering Bear. Um, and I believe this is the episode we were talking about earlier when you're having the uh, trouble in paradise. And um, as a result, it's uh, have it taken a toll on your uh, professional duties to Larry. My favorite episode. This is my favorite episode. Okay. Here are the papers from your business manager's office. So... What about the music? From Mel's office? Oh, Larry, was I supposed to pick that up? Yeah. I'm sorry, I totally forgot. Uh Uh-huh. Just like you forgot to call Jason Small and cancel the lunch appointment. Okay. Fine, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm a bad assistant. You know, I don't need this. Do your own errands. Run your own life. I'm done. What? I quit. No, what are you I, talking I quit, about? Larry. What? I quit. I don't need this you anymore. You quit? No, you can't no, no, quit. No. You can tell Jason Small, uh, or maybe I will, about your mom's fake unveiling. Okay, How about okay, that? Okay. Isn't that Come nice? on, that's not necessary. <laughs> I'm sure Cheryl would love to hear about college girls gone wild. What? Yeah, Cheryl hey, was hey. right. College girls gone wild, Cheryl. It's hot. You know what? Okay. Everybody's going to know. Every lie, every deceit, every half-truth you have ever told, mister. What? Eight years of service. Come on, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I apologize. But you can't quit. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Larry. What are you doing? What's going on? She quit. She quit. She's going to expose me to the world. She said she's going to tell everybody about all my lies and my deceit. And, you know, I've said terrible things about so many people. And you and Jeff and Susie and Lewis, everybody I know. And... What, what have you said about me? Oh, did I say you? Yeah. No, no, I didn't mean you. No, the others. <laughs> the others, not you. But the point is that I'm going to be ruined. You understand? Ruined. We're going to have to move. Well, why was she so upset? I don't know. I held her a little bit. She was supposed to do some stuff for me. She didn't do it. I'm sure she'll be fine when she... No, she's not going to be fine. She hasn't been fine since she broke up with her boyfriend. That's the whole problem. Uh, yeah, you haven't, just, haven't been the same. 
Um, <laughs> that was so fun. Okay, so that car, the mm-hmm. when I drove off in. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the one, the funny thing was that was a a person in the cruise car. And I didn't take my car. My car was in the shop that day. So I like got a cab, you know, or something to, to, to set, you know, which was on location. And so they're like, well, you need a car because we're gonna have you drive off. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Mine's in the shop. I didn't know that. Once again, you know, using real things. And so this member of the crew just said, well, we're going to give him you give her your car. So I did. It was a grip or, or some nice gentleman. Anyway, this car was a stick shift and I hadn't driven a stick shift since what college. And so I had to take it and it was this long, this big hill and drive up it. So every stupid, crazy thing you've ever done, you know, I'd yell at him and get in the car and start driving up. <laughs> Except when I start going up the hill, the car kept rolling back. So they had to cut because my car kept, I kept going up and it kept rolling back. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, and I was so scared. Larry's like, whose car is this? Where did we get this car? And it, it was just, it was so embarrassing because I could not get, make it up that hill. It just kept rolling back. Old stick. Yeah, so would, what, uh, what among uh, Larry David's secrets and lies would you like to uh, tell the world on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> He is a wonderful man, and I miss him dearly. All right, we'll take, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Good answer. Lies. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 info dump that you must have had. You know, your character has on that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I always thought it'd be yeah. fun little things. I, is, there, I, I, is there no assistant confidentiality? <laughs> um, there should be. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like many assistants probably sign NDAs. Um, but you know, you should. Um, I would. I could see Antoinette returning to the show in a in a storyline where you're writing a tell-all book about Larry David. I think that would be a great Antoinette storyline. Oh my god, I would love that. I would think you would think they would come back. You know, cause I don't think they explain because I. I mean, why I'm gone? I'm just gone, right? Yeah, you could, and you could just come. Yeah, they don't explain why you're gone. You're just no longer around. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, he goes. He goes to New York. I guess probably when I, he comes back to New York, I guess you know you'd moved on. Also, at that point, he's um, moved on to so many more ridiculous shenanigans. But he's right. You know, he's not really focused on you know television work anymore. Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do one more clip. Um, the, a scene that we referenced earlier. We're gonna go um to the bat mitzvah. Um, where uh, previously Larry has informed you about a uh, a tickle in his anus. Yeah. Oh. Michael McKeon. <laughs> Good to meet him. He's fabulous. Anything you could do. Yeah, he's really funny. Richard would be just great. I'll, I'll, I'll recommend you. Bless yeah. your heart. Yeah. Bless your heart. That's Larry, do you still have the tickle in your anus? <laughs> I get you an appointment for two weeks. What? Are you experiencing discomfort? What? What is she talking about? Are, are you, what are you talking about? Are you, what, what did you get well, that from? Huh? Who are you trying to get an appointment yeah, with? Yeah, Rosenberg. Huh? Rosenberg is a good man. I got a better one. Pencil. Mm-hmm. Now, call this man, Doctor J. Whitney, my wife's cousin, Kai. She runs. She runs the office. Oh, she does. She yeah. can open all the doors. All right, it's not so just funny. the back one. You know what yeah. I mean? 
Seriously, yeah. she can get you in today. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to think about it. Oh, yeah, it's nice you, but there's really nothing wrong with me. I don't, why does that have a tickle in my anus? I don't have a tickle. Are you fucking crazy? Huh? Tickling my anus? She's just Where do you come from? Why did you say that? I don't have a tickle. Who said that? Look, I, I gotta go. I gotta go. It, Look, I think I've given you the wrong impression. Larry's anus is fine. Shut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I always die for that. I've given you the wrong impression. Um, yeah, I mean, this is probably the this is probably the uh, the worst thing that your character does. I mean, you shouldn't. This this is you know you don't just you know he he has company. You don't talk about the tickle in his anus in front of uh, Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just it was such a hard day. Like, um, oh my god, that scene! And boy, I know I really got the brunt of it in that one. And people love. <laughs> for me but, you know i'll get that's like okay do you have it i'm like oh hello but that one gets a lot of um a lot of i get a lot of feedback from that <laughs> all people come up and one person referenced that it's guys you know it comes up to me a lot are guys in their 20s that's what used to kill me hey i'm a big fan i'm like oh my god that's so sweet you know where it's just like um those are guys in their twenties, big curb bands. Yeah. But oh, the tickle. <laughs> hear me, hear me. You, you should offer that. My, off, and then, you, hmm? should, you should offer that on like cameo that uh, if someone does have a tickle in their anus, you will uh, vo- you'll record a sound <laughs> so they can use that to tell their friends and family. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I you know what I did do that on uh, you know I do cameo, mm-hmm. uh, you know what that is. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's what you're saying. And there's yeah. and that what somebody wanted. It was a retired police officer. His wife sent in a cameo and said, "Could you please reference the tickle in your anus?" So I just said, "And hopefully get that you're okay and you don't have a tickle in your anus." And I'm like, "Oh God, I have to say this." You know, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I just remember that episode where I'm like, "Larry, I was very uncomfortable even saying it." You know, like, "Do you have a, um? Do you want me to schedule that tickle in your?" Oh, if only Antoinette yes, O'Malley yes. had been more uh, worried about saying it. <laughs> yeah, not to uh, not not to step on in, uh, the uh, the postman uh, later on in the episode, but we got an email from an, uh, an intermittent uh, emailer of ours named Moira, Moira Roseberry, who said that she uh, loves you and that she actually got a cameo video from you from you for her boyfriend Jamie in October. Oh. Um, and their visit, she's going to visit him in Colorado this Saturday, and they're going to make sure to watch an episode of yours of Career Enthusiasm. Oh. I remember that. Yeah, she was really sweet. She was very like, thank you. Yeah, she she seems very nice in her emails, too. That's very sweet. Um, That's like doing, I mean, it's nice to do those because, you know, I mean, I got into this because I wanted to make people laugh and hopefully I have, you know, that was my goal. I loved Lucy and Carol Burnett, Mary Tyler Moore and Doris Day and those were my influences. So it was like, you know what, I want somebody to make me laugh and take me away and people have and hopefully i can do that for someone you know not that i'm those women i just mentioned but you aspire to be these things you know in life some of us yeah um okay alex so should we jump into uh should we jump into the smiley face well yeah let, let's talk yeah let's talk about antoinette scenes in, in the smiley face uh we've been talking about all her uh, some of her older classic scenes yeah
Okay, so um, season eight, episode four, the smiley face. So uh, we start out like you know we're with Larry, and basically we have this conversation with him, uh, with him and Jeff, where we learned that uh, because Antoinette has been out of the office, things are just like going crazy. He's missing his appointments. Uh, he can't find anything, and we find out that the reason why you're out is because your father's sick and you're with her in the hospital. And Larry's very upset. You know, he doesn't really care that your father's sick. He kind of just like wants him to die already so that you'll come back to work because it's just been like lingering on. Uh, for so long <laughs> yeah um and then like the other main thing that we find out is that like there's this new guy dino he moved in and he's like taking up uh extra cabinet space and like larry's just like giving away um you know too much cabinet space um okay so we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead to um you know our first uh our first clip of the episode um and that's when um you're with your dad in uh in the hospital and you get a call from one larry david This is Larry David. Hello, boss Larry there. Hi, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, about the same, I think, yeah. Have the doctors told you anything? Oh, you know doctors, they don't tell you anything. What kind of mood are they in when they, when they talk to you? Do they kind of huddle together and whisper? No. Do they seem morose? Lugubrious? Nope, they take tests, and I I don't know if I pass or fail. Mm. Is Antoinette there? Hold on a second. Hey, thanks for calling. That's so sweet of you. So Big Dog Productions rented the office next door, and they're sharing the kitchen with us? And I had to give up a cabinet. Larry, no! You never give up a cabinet! Never, ever give up a cabinet! <laughs> he actually took two. This is why you need to be here. Can't you come in for a day? You know, straighten up a little bit? Maybe you can get one back. <sighs> All right, fine. Oh, terrific. Why are you not with Richard right now? You're supposed to have lunch with Lewis. Oh, I'm 15 minutes late already. See, this is why I need you to come in. I'll be there tomorrow. Bye-bye. Uh, I will say it's incredible oh, uh, how Antoinette, when she's distracted by her boyfriend, is a very bad assistant. But here with her father on death's door, she's still on top of things. You know, she knows the calendar by heart. <laughs> I know it's so terrible. Oh, my God. I know her own father. I love I love that your dad uh, refers to him as boss Larry. Yeah, I know <laughs> that guy was like, sweetest man. I feel like and I feel I like the reason for that is that you have him in your phone as boss Larry. So like he's seen boss Larry call. Exactly. Larry Boss. Um, (laughs) I like how both you and your dad instantly say, you never give up a cabinet as if it's like a well-known maxim that everyone's familiar with. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought was like, it was brilliant. Never give up a cabinet. You know, like it's a thing. Um, Oh my God, I look, I have to say, it's so funny to see, you know, I'm like being such an actress right now, but, or girl, lady whatever but i'm like oh, wow i look old in that episode i mean i look that's divorce right there <laughs> i'm like oh my god i've gained so much weight i look so tired in that shot it's like oh yeah i'm just going through divorce there you go well your father's uh, dying in the show so i think you're supposed to be uh and your father's dying yeah. more importantly i know i go right this poor man can't get a moment from larry or me <laughs> <laughs> he's dying um oh my gosh it's so funny ladies what's the, i love that what's the mood what are the doctors like? I was laughing off camera at that. 
I had to look um, up the word lugubrious. Saying- I never heard that word before. What does it mean? He's so awful that he's so he's so insensitive. It means looking or sounding sad and dismal. Okay. Yeah. You look that up. Yeah. <laughs> party, party at a party. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay. So we're going to uh, we're going to jump ahead a little bit uh, later in the episode um, where. Um, Antoinette, as we had seen, had agreed to come back to work, and uh, she will indeed come back to work. Happy? Oh, how about that? Fabulous. This is what a desk should look like. Yeah, how did it get that way, by the way? Uh, you know, it just builds up. This is great. Thank you. All right. Oh, and I got you treats. There it is. You see, it's a one day. You came in for one day. Tomorrow you'll go back to the hospital. And I am going to get that cabinet back for us. You get that cabinet back. There'll be a little something in it for you. Okay, I just want to pause right there. What what is he talking about? What does he mean? What's going to be in it for her? He's going to get a bonus, a cabinet bonus. What is he? What is he offering her? I think it's cash. You think it's cash? Okay. How how much is a cabinet worth? I'm going to say ten thousand dollars. No. No. It's Larry. There's no way it would be worth that. He's worth half a billion dollars. He he basically ends a relationship over sixty dollars later in this episode. He's not just handing out ten thousand dollars for a cabinet. Okay, that's why exactly. No, and it's because it's. I remember, um, you know, the episode with the Tourette's chef with Paul Sands. Yeah. Okay, so that episode, I remember jokingly saying to him when they come, they come to my table, Larry. That may have been edited out, and I just said to him. Oh, hey, and I need to borrow, I need to expend some money and I need like an extra couple of hundred. Of course, that got edited out (laughs) when he was the restaurant. But yeah, I think he would give her like, like an extra couple, 200. Like that would be, you know, that's, that's what I see in in my mind for that. (laughs) All right. I'll I'll take 200 for, you know, getting back. Two two square feet of cabinets. Yeah. You know, you know. Um, okay, and then um, we uh, we just fast forward a little bit to later in the scene, and we'll get to the moment where uh, Larry's whole plan to get you back uh, seems to have blown up in his face. See ya. Can't bye, sweetie. Bye. Nice to see you. Larry David's office. No, hi, mom. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> My dad just died. My mom, the last thing he said was, uh, where's Antoinette? Guess where I was. <laughs> huh. oh, where were you? Yeah. Um, so do you think, is it that you were just, you weren't there? Or do you think that like your, the lack of your presence, kill, like did Larry David kill your father is basically what I'm asking. Oh, I think of course he picked the wrong time to have me come back. You know, so of course I think that Antoinette totally blames Larry. You know, that's like the final straw. Yeah. Of things he's done in her life, like, of she, I think Antoinette, I think her that character has so many missed moments of life because of him. You know what I mean? Right. Like that. Like there are things that, that there are many things that could have happened, um, if it hadn't been for Larry. You know, like, like, I, I think that lots of missed opportunities, like romantically or um, I mean, they're, 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 I think their neuroses feed each other. 
Do you know what I mean? Like his yeah. neurotic, like she buys into all of his neuroses and then has to play this, this really dysfunctional part in making sure that his life works where she is basically going to get zero credit for it. You know, like, I feel like the person that really kept him, I mean, in my mind, the way my character worked was she really kept him on track. I mean, Cheryl, that was his, his romantic life and his home life and whatever, but his career, all the stuff that she was, uh, she made, she facilitated his life in a way that, you know, like his, like making sure his prescriptions and his clothes and his, like all these little things, all his little nuances were taken care of from day to day. Like the work wife, she really was the work wife, you know, and she was so into making sure that everything was done for him. I think they're just, that stuff didn't happen for her. The ultimate thing being missing being with her dad when he dies, which is just terrible. I bet, and I think I have a feeling that's probably for her, you know, for her, like, wait a minute, what's happened to my life? You know what I mean? There's that moment at the funeral. Yeah. But there's no hard feelings from the mom because she's happy to come work for him. No. And I like, oh my God, we have to talk. When you showed Jan, Joanne Worley, I'll tell you the whole. We'll talk about Joanne Worley. I love her so much. Oh my god! Yeah. So why, why don't we jump ahead to the uh, the actual day of the funeral and uh, go from there? Sorry. I'm very sorry. Terribly sorry. So sorry. Excuse me. Uh, Got something on your head. I uh, believe they refer to that as a smiley face. They're frequently used by idiots at the end of emails and text messages, such as, I miss you. Smiley face. I don't know if it's appropriate for a funeral. It's not. You're probably right about that. Not much I can do about it. I have a hat in my car. It's a Dodger hat. Yeah, I, I hate the Dodgers. It's, that's okay. <laughs> Mom, it's Larry. Hi, Larry. So sorry. Larry, you've got something on your forehead. I believe that's called a smiley face. <laughs> What's it doing there? Well, a, a, a disgruntled woman drew it with sunblock, and then I fell asleep in the sun. She owed me $60 and wouldn't pay me, so I, I brought it up. It's not hers. Right. It's not hers. It's my money. Right, absolutely. Mom, am I I'm crazy? I'm going to get a glass of water, okay? I'll be right back. Rosemary, am I crazy? Well, huh? um... Thanks for being here. Yeah. They loved each other very much. It's very hard on her. And she was not at her father's bedside when he passed away. You know, the bedside's a little overrated, frankly. <laughs> not that much goes on there. You think they're going to say you have a rosebud or something? They're not saying rosebud, whatever that is. <laughs> Obviously, she's grieving deeply mm. for her father. How long do you think the uh, grieving process might take for her? It's uh, going to take probably several weeks for my daughter to get back to work. Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe I could fill in for her. Really? I was an executive secretary for 30 years. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I do love that she's fine. I really need something to do right now to take my mind off of my grief. And I would be holding the job for my daughter. You're shitting me. Not shitting. No shit? No shit. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Oh, Monday morning. Deal. Deal. 
<laughs> Don't wear that hat. <laughs> me in 1968, I was fresh out of business school, clutching my little CPA degree. Sorry. Okay, we'll uh, we'll stop there. <laughs> Don't wear that hat. Don't wear that hat. It's a nice oh, looking hat, you- though. It's a good funeral hat she's got there. I thought she looked amazing. Yeah, and she's the nicest woman ever, and she is hilarious. Yeah, she's very just like she, she was on in- laughing, wasn't she? Like back in the day. Yes, back in the day, yeah. huge. My uncle, here's how sweet Joanne Worley is. My uncle was a huge fan of Joanne Worley. And I actually said, Joanne, would you do me a huge favor? My uncle just loved you on Laughing. And there was like this episode of Love American Style she was on that he used to reference um, when I was growing up. And it was so cute because I said, do you mind calling him and just saying hi? Like I've never asked anybody to do this. And she she's she called my uncle was like, hello, you know, hi. And and he loved it. It was so sweet of her. And she's, you know, there's something to the whole old Hollywood thing of like she is so just stop the style of her. Like she came into the trailer, the makeup trailer, the first day we worked together, and she goes, Where's Antoinette? And she goes, hey, you little groundling. Like, she did research on me. <laughs> Joanne Worley. Like, wow. you know, and and, and I thought that was incredible. She went and she found out who I was and what my credits were and who she was going to be working with. And she was awesome. Like, we just, we really, really hit it off and had a great time together. And um, I mean, that was, and Jeff Garland could not wait to tell me. He goes, look, he goes, I got a great surprise. Do you know who, who's playing your mother? He goes, I wish we could have gotten Liza Minnelli because <laughs> she I has a, she has a certain Liza energy to her. She does. And she's I mean, it's great. And I love I can't believe I still have not met Liza Minnelli, but I've done this impression of her for years, which is like my dirty secret, um, but has gotten me work, <laughs> which is so weird. But I do. And I look like a guy in drag when I do her. But um, but Jeff goes, the, get, just guess what the next best, you know, I mean. I shouldn't even say next by saying I Joanne, I would never want you to see that um, or hear that because she's amazing. When he, I lost my mind when I found out it was Joanne Worley because she's just hilarious and sweet. And look how good she is. Like even in the moments when it's like a serious moment, my daughter's going to have a very hard time over this, you know, and then she goes right to great. See ya. You know, like she's just fabulous. She's just a fabulous, funny. I mean, she was great offset. Um, yeah. Just an amazing woman. Yeah, I'm reading her. Uh, I'm reading her Wikipedia page right now, and I see that she played the role of the Wicked Witch of the West in a 1999 musical production of The Wizard of Oz um, that played in, in both Hollywood and at Madison Square Garden. Um, and I am 100 sure I saw that show at that time. So it's very possible that I saw her play the Wicked Witch of the West uh, at MSG. Wasn't she in Wicked? Or was it was it the Wizard of Oz? Was it I Wicked? Or? Um, yes, she played the role of Madame Morrible in the Los Angeles production of Wicked. Oh, I wish I'd seen that. Like that would have been incredible. And she is great. Like she did. I remember my daughter. Um, I think it, she was on Jesse right after she and I had worked together. And my daughter watched that show, and I was like, oh "My God, it's Joanne!" And it's like, but she was she was playing a woman that did, was doing kids parties or she was a banana or something. And I was like, God, this woman is always good. Like yeah. she is always good. No matter what role she's in, she's just yeah. fantastic. Hello, pro. totally. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, she's just like you just look through her IMD, her IMDb. Like she was on like so many different shows. Just like an episode here, an episode there, an episode there. Like she just like really worked and just like was on so many different shows over such a long period of time. That's really uh, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, people always go back to laugh, and of course, because that was her first iconic real thing that put her on the map. But she sings, and she's done Hello Dolly, and she's, I mean, she's really done some great, some great musical theater. A lot of, um, but she, <laughs> she, she went. To, we were doing cast call after the the funeral scene, and um, you know, we were rapping. It was like the martini shot for the funeral, and. They were saying, all right, everybody say goodnight to, you know, Antoinette. Da, 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 yay. Say goodnight to Michael Gross, you know, who's a lovely man. Yay. You know, say goodnight, Joanne Worley. Yay. And then it's just like, ladies and gentlemen, Larry David. Like, <laughs> thing for Larry David. And like, she puts out her, her hand and then she's like, she comes up to me later and goes, oh, I don't think you like that. <laughs> she's um, got a whole church and did that Larry David yeah what I'll, what I'll, what I'll say um, later in the episode when uh, your mom uh, Rosemary actually goes in to work for Larry um, she again reiterates to Larry that she's going to get to the bottom of this whole cabinet business and she promises him she's going to be- get back to cabinet um, and no reward is offered to her no potential like there'll be something in it for, your, for you Rosemary so I don't know if it was just cash I don't know <laughs> oh, I see where you're going off. What's going to happen? I don't know. Now well, I'm, listen, I guess, you, you, I your look- character had told Larry that she wanted to find a Jewish husband, and Larry's available now. So, hmm. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, you know, no, nobody has ever pulled off the mother-daughter switch. So yeah. you know, it's a tough one. Yeah. That is a tough. <laughs> In the Middle Ages, you can get locked up for even suggesting it. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that kind of takes us to the end of uh, where we have you in this episode and um, on the series so far. Do you have? Uh, I know we're uh, we're running a little running a little bit past our time. Um, do you have any uh, Antoinette, any parting thoughts uh, before you head out for the night? Anything on the episode? Anything about Curb you want to share? Um, I wish I'd been funnier tonight. <laughs> oh, you were great. You were great. You're sweet. Um, I think. Well, my favorite episode, yeah, would be the the one where I, you know, Wandering Bear. That was so much fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was just fun to be able to play all those different levels. And I, I think it's just, I think it's great to get paid to do something that you love. It was all improvised, which was, you know, scary and yet fun. And you can look back and stuff and go, oh, I said that. That's great. Yay. I'm glad that I could you know, got the opportunity to do that. I mean, I think it's, it is as fun as it looks. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, so it's nice to be able, but it's also incredibly professional too. It's a weird, it's a strange, bizarre dichotomy of where you're fearing for your life. (laughs) Because you have to say, you want to say something. Um, It's like a first date, every scene. Right. <laughs> Where you want to say the right thing and you want it to be clever and hopefully humorous and all those things where you're charming. Yes. So curb your enthusiasm. It's a big first date. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, on that note, um, you're always welcome back for a second date on Pretty 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 Good. We had a we really had a blast having you here. Um, so, so, so thank you so much uh, for coming on. I was telling Alex earlier I was uh, I was singing Antoinette all day, uh, like in the Lafayette tune from Hamilton. Um, so I was I was really pumped to have you on, and uh, this was a ton of fun. So we're gonna thank you and uh, wish you well, and wish you good night and all the best. Thank you so much, Antoinette. Thank you so much for having me on. You're so sweet. Thank You're you. very welcome. This is a lot of fun. The best. Bye. All right. So that was great. We had an Antoinette deep dive there. Let's jump to the rest of the episode, Smiley Face. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to do the Smiley Face part two or take two. Mm. Um, we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to do it for real this time. Ah, okay. Do we start with another uh, intro line? Because... Um, I could have used, uh, I have to masturbate before the podcast, so I exhaust the area. <laughs> um, I could use, you're a fucking schmuck. <laughs> I feel like that could be in a lot of episodes. Yeah, well, it's in this one. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, so let's, uh, let's jump into the deep dive recap of the episode. All right. So we are at Larry's office, and Larry is at work. Um, he's trying to get some work done. Uh, he's on the phone, but there's, you know, he's looking for something. He can't find it. Um, and the reason for all this trouble is that his assistant, Antoinette, is not here, as we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, I did a lot of uh, looking around this office here in this scene. We had a lot of close ups like in and around Larry's desk. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you like checked it out, if there was anything of note that you saw that you thought was fun. My biggest issue is the presence of the, the, the private bathroom that he has right next to his desk. But I think we'll address that later. OK, um, um, yeah, just, so there's. But- Right. Or, or we can talk about that now, which is like Larry says he's going to run to the bathroom in the end, like later in the episode. And then he gets up and leaves the room. And it just doesn't make sense. Like, we know there's a bathroom right there. We can, like, see it in the door to the right of Rosemary in that scene. Oh, see I see. I, did, I didn't even I didn't even pick up on that at all. I, oh. Not at all. Remember, remember like in previous episodes where he's gone into the bathroom and come out in a, in a bathrobe like we've right. seen that office and the door is right there. So it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes. But, but what so, are on the desk itself? So there's lots of fun stuff. Um, you know, we have on the wall. First of all, we have the producer's poster. Yes. Uh, we have the uh, the Rolling Stone cover of the Seinfeld yes. crossover with the Wizard of Oz. Um, it's a poster that I am uh, now an owner of. I bought <laughs> it on eBay after I saw it. I was like, oh, that's cool. That sounds like a my alley. I'm gonna buy that. Yeah. That's um, there's uh, in the back. There's a little picture of Larry, um, clearly from the Scorsese movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like in his like in the wig and the yeah. glasses. And the, yeah. Um, there was one thing on on the bookshelf that doesn't really make sense that it would be there. I don't know if you spotted it. Which, what are you referring to? There is a book written by Susie Essman. Oh, I see. I did not notice that, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah. She has like a uh, world are we in? Well, that's what, that's what I'm getting at. So is Susie Essman in the curb world? How would that work though? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, I'm um, trying to think. Is it possible that Susie has like a side gig that we don't know about where she plays a comedian named Susie Essman? Right. Susie, Susie Essman is her stage name. Yeah. Susie Essman is Susie Green's stage name. No, there's no way that there's, and, no, way, there's no way she would wait. have published a book and not told Larry since she brags to Larry when she like puts like a gemstone on a sweatshirt from Ohio State. Yeah, the name of her book is What Would Susie Say? So it's like a very uh, it's like a, the book of Leon-esque uh, type book. So then I have another one. Well, no, no. I was going to propose. So maybe they're in the world of Curb. There's a, there's a writer or an author named Susie Essman. Nothing to do with the fact that there's a comedian in our world named Susie Essman. 
And that Susie Essman just happened to have written a book about herself. And then or, Su- or is it about Susie Green? Yeah. But again, like it, can't be about, it, it can't be about Susie Green because why? Had, Maybe words gone around about like this woman. But and, if like, there was a book about things. her, we would know on the show. Right. That's not a thing that could go unaddressed on the show. Again, Susie brags about like the, the smallest things that she accomplishes or performs. <laughs> If there was a book about her, right. I think she, we would. Uh, yeah, we would probably we would probably know. So this goes to um, like um, the conversation I think that Robin Akiva had on the Seinfeld podcast once, which is like, are we glimpsing in the world of Seinfeld? There are so I'm going to ask now for the world of Curb in the world of Curb. Well, let's go back to Seinfeld because it was sort of a consistent thing where the show's on every Thursday, you know, for most of the year at the same time slot, or I guess 22 weeks of the year, um, which is uh, less than half the year. But like, are we glimpsing Jerry and George and all those people? in like a half hour of their week and then like the other 167 and a half of the hours of the week they're around and they're just going along right or is this like a representative sample of what's going on exactly um yeah i mean i I don't know (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, speaking of things we don't know you mentioned um with antoinette i thought we were going to play a game you were using that trivia game you said the nine people on you said she's 10th most appearances on the show yeah so i thought you were gonna make me and antoinette go back and forth and see who could get the most of the other nine without a strikeout yeah, that, that is what I was going to do, but she didn't look interested in it. Oh. I started saying it, so I just moved on. Oh, well, let me see. Do you have the list in front of you right now? Uh, yes. Let me see if I can get the nine. I mean, with how many, like if I can do it without any mistakes. Um, all right. Yeah, right, I mean, so- there are, I would say they're almost all extremely easy, except for possibly one, which is pretty easy. Okay. All right. Well, it's okay. So Larry, Cheryl, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and Susie. Yeah. Um, Leon. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard, Ted, mm-hmm. um, uh, Funkhauser, Marty. Yeah, Martin. Okay, so you have so you got you got the eight easy ones. I would say that I wouldn't say the last one. I wouldn't say it's pretty easy. It's it's like the thing it's is, moderately I, easy. The thing is, am I, but is it going to be the next name I say, or am I going to get a strike? That's the that was the question I had. Oh uh, well, actually, I don't have the whole list in front of me. I only have the top nine. So if you if you yeah. want to, no, I don't think a little bit. Well, I, think, well, well, I, I, you, I, I don't need the rest of the list, but. No, but I mean, I would want to see what you, if some of you, if you guess someone oh. where they rank. Um, I mean, I'll tell you some of the people I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of uh, Andy Richard Kind's character, the cousin, but I don't think he's up there. I'm thinking. Yeah, of, the more I think about this, is this is not so easy. It's like oh. it's kind of like obvious in retrospect. I'm thinking but, of Larry's dad, but yeah, that's think, not a bad. That's yeah, but not I don't bad, think yes. he's there. I'm thinking of Jason Alexander, but he's not there. Even though we see him nah. multiple seasons and multiple episodes. So yeah. Larry's dad is tied with Antoinette at 13. So oh. he's tied for Ted. Okay. Um, All right. The, I'm trying to think of uh, another spouse of a friend. No, it can't be any of the. You're other on blocks. the right. You're on. You're on the right track. It can't be any um, of their blocks because we don't see them. Um, uh, Vivica is actually uh, number twelve, right after Antoinette and Matt. She's okay. uh, in eleven episodes. Yeah, and then but, all the and then the kids are in ten or nine because like they're just yeah. there every. Episode. But you, yeah, but you need thirteen is you know the magic number of Antoinette. So I knew yeah none of the blocks are the yeah. Are so be the, do you want do you want the number of, the number of, of the, episodes of the appearance of the person I'm forgetting? Yeah, is this person ninth? This person is one, two, three, four. Is this five, terrible five, podcasting? Seven, eight, nine. No, this is great podcasting. Uh, yes, okay. they are ninth. Is it Sammy? It is Sammy. Oh, it is. Okay. That's what I was saying. It's like kind of, it's like it, when, once you realize it, it's like obvious. Yeah. Like she's All right. So I, I, I got, I got the nine. Um, I got the nine in the right order. I mean, I said uh, a couple right, of names, hard, but I said it's like, not blank. Yeah. But you, but she's forgettable. So you don't necessarily think of her. Like once you think of her, you're like, oh, of course her. I think um, also because I was just reading something about her recently 
where, and I think I mentioned this on a podcast. I forget when we've recorded what and what order, but um, where she's not a professional actress anymore, but she still comes back for Curb. Right. Yeah. She does. It. Yeah. She does. Yeah. She does. Which other is stuff. interesting, um, but also means that, you know, maybe she's been in enough episodes that she's coming back that it's done. Um, all right. So let's, uh, yeah. So sorry. Let's, let's jump right back in. So we've taken a look at that office. Is there anything else out of place or is it just Susie's book? Uh, that's the only thing that's out of place. Um, and Should we you know, read Susie's of- book? Um, we can read Susie's book. Should we do read, between I, seasons like a Kirby enthusiasm book uh, book club where we uh, read a book related to the show? Um, I, I I have on our uh, on our uh, spreadsheet um, for some of my ideas for like random episodes at some point. I have there are a couple other Kirby related books also that I uh, thought might be good to uh, do as a book club type thing. So mm. yeah, what about um, Iris and JB wrote a book together? They wrote a book together. I feel like we there should, uh, is. Well, we, we brought it up with, with her, yeah. you know, briefly at the end. Um, yeah, like I mean, we had Wayne Fetterman on. I made sure to read Fetterman's book. I didn't read Erisa's uh, book. But now I, I, listen, I, I, I listened to uh, I listened to a few chapters of the, on the on Audible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, it's just like Leon talking like Leon. It's, so it's like, you know, it's Do you listen to J.B. Smooth's podcast, actually? Um, I think I tried it and I wasn't super into it. Yeah, I was surprisingly not considering. Uh, yeah, I'm generally a big fan. Um, I thought a stand up. Have you ever seen his stand up special? No. Um, I forget uh, when uh, I forget how many years old it is. I think something like 2018 or something like that. It's pretty good. It's it's not a, it's not as like the level of the Leon character, obviously. But you know that's a right. performance. There's a book called uh, Hitchhiking with Larry David about a guy who like picked up Larry David as a hitchhiker randomly and like had some like experience with him. Oh, that, that that's know. literally the thing that he talked about um, when I heard him at the Y. He talked oh, about yeah. how he gets in with random strangers and. But I didn't know. No, but he didn't mention there was a book about that. But he, he yeah, so there's a book the about that. that. He does so, that. That's funny. Yeah, so that's on my list of uh, maybe something we could do one day. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we could do it. We could, you know, throw this all into a pile. Yeah. I'm going to do this podcast forever. <laughs> you think you could cancel the series? You're not canceling this podcast. This podcast still lives on. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, so like just, just going back to the episode count, uh, one, one that's like so also super striking is um, at 10 episodes also is um, what's her name? Um, Nan Funkhauser. Nan. Yeah. It's like it's like she's in 10 episodes. That's crazy. Like I couldn't tell you like she doesn't have a single storyline. It's crazy. Yeah. Her story is that she doesn't like to go on trips. <laughs> right. That's like that's literally like the most that she's like in a scene. I think the entire time on the show. <laughs> yeah um yeah okay so uh onwards we've uh we've made it into the first uh 30 seconds of the episode so far um so yeah so jeff comes in he's like hey what's going on like we had uh, we had lunch plans and larry is forgotten because again antoinette's out um it's been three weeks her her dad has been really sick um you know she said that she was gonna you know her father was dying and she wanted to go spend some time with him but you know he hasn't died he's kind of lingering like i don't know what's gonna be with this thing meanwhile she's out of the office three weeks um yeah i mean like i heard she's like busy doing some stupid podcast (laughs) therefore she wasn't able to help larry um and larry's like what if uh what if this goes on for six months what am i gonna do like i can't fire her like i can't you know her she's with her dad who's dying except not um what is why can't he just hire a temp I mean, it wouldn't be ideal, but it'd be better than the the nobody that he has in this. Well, I, I guess like he feels like he's like stuck in this no man's land where it's like he's being told that like any day this guy's going to die and then like she'll be out for two days and then she'll be back. So it's like he's kind of stuck in between where he's like he doesn't want to go through the trouble of bringing in a temp and to then have Antoinette come back three days later. It's just like not worth it. But then 
it just drags on and on. And like, it's like, it's like kind of like when you, um, like you don't put the guy on the DL right away. Cause like, yeah. you think he might, uh, like, yeah. Oh, it's like, uh, every time the twins do that. And I'm sure you feel the same way about the Mets. Yeah. The guy ends up being out for two months. Yeah. Um, list of things that you feel like always happens to your team. They blow leads late in the game. <laughs> Wait, no, they no, make that's bad a trades. Yeah, right. That's a twin thing. They make yeah. bad trades. Yeah. Um, they they lose in heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, they always get bad calls against them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the players are always injured. Yeah, yeah. The refs are biased against them. The league is biased against them. Bill Simmons hates him. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jeff is like, listen, you know, I bet that if her dad knew what was going on, that she he was putting her job in jeopardy, he would just die. Like he wouldn't yeah. stick around. Of and like he's yeah, not selfish. I mean, yeah, fa- not- parents are very selfless. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, it turns out that that's literally the case. Though the the his mother will take the job to to her mother with kid take the job to keep it for her. The other thing, and I did mention this to Antoinette, is there does seem to be a real inconsistency in like how good of an assistant Antoinette is. Yeah, because this episode makes her seem like insanely Amazing. good. But yeah. like, again, when she was having problems with her boyfriend, she was like completely useless. Well, she was just I think she was off her game. Yeah, I, I guess you so. know, she was having a bad week. You know, everyone, you know, we, we don't want to judge people by their worst moments. We, yeah. uh, we judge them by, uh, you know, a weighted mean. Yeah, but the, way choice, she's, should... the way she's performing now is, you know, like um, like, you know, Brett Favre in the Monday Night Game in Oakland right after his father. I, propo- I propose that you make a uh, Antoinette uh, efficiency <laughs> chart. And we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, in every episode, uh, how how she was performing. Uh, you'll go back, watch all yeah. her episodes. You know, you know, she did very well with the Cobb salad. Yeah, she knows that he has Wikipedia, which Larry doesn't. Although, well, that's two thousand one, two thousand two. It doesn't really yeah, exist so, yet. Yeah, whatever. Do you remember like, googling things, and we didn't even call it googling. Like, you know, ask Jeeves, th- ask Jeevesing things in like nineteen ninety nine on the internet. <laughs> One second, I'm gonna go ask Jeeves. Yeah, it was a roller coaster of like finding so- like. Um, I remember like um, in high school once I was writing a paper uh, for a history class on like, I don't even know, like, I think it was like some Serbian, like revolutionary terrorist group during World War One or, or something random and obscure like that. And mm-hmm. I remember I quoted a line like in whatever Serbian, in whatever original language it was. And my teacher wrote like, how did you find this piece of information? That's amazing. It's like I I searched for it on the internet, but I remember thinking, well, this person's very impressed because he's 50 years old and is like completely unfamiliar with the concept of uh, searching things on the internet. But um, now it's like very, in fact, now it's the opposite problem. Don't professors have like kids who are just copying and pasting essays and stuff like that. And I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Don't they have to like, don't they have to like scan papers through like a a program to search for plagiarism? Isn't this like a common thing now? Uh, it's definitely a thing that exists. I don't know yeah. how widespread it's, oh, okay. stuff like that is used. Um, yeah, we went to college before. Do you? I mean, this is. I, I was trying to think like of things that it's gonna be impossible to explain to our children. Do you remember when we when you first started at YU, how registration for classes happened? Um. Yeah, you went to like a, a big room. Yeah, with everyone like you, else in your in your college, basically, and like you. I think you had a number, right? <laughs> yeah. And like when it was your number, they called your number and, and you, you stood you in lines up. and it was loud yeah. and, and they you ran and from you this side up. of the room to that side of the room. And, and you told the person at the desk, I want to be in this class and this class and this class and this class. And they said the first three are fine. The fourth one is full. You could be in this class instead. And you said, OK, you're making it sound much more uh, streamlined than it was. No, I mean, it's like once you got up to the desk, that's what it was. I feel like it was complete chaos. I feel like you had to go over to one side for the Jewish studies then the other side for the secular studies. Then you had to go to your advisor for like special permission. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, remember, I remember being complete cast as opposed to like going online and like doing it in like three minutes. Yeah. When I uh, my freshman year of college, um, like uh, like many people, I was uh, 
intending to go to uh, study in Israel for the year. Um, you did for and, 11 days. Yeah, I was there for 11 days. Yeah. Um, some people say nine because I like I include each like calendar day that I was like on land um, and like, but some of those were not full days. So, you know, people, people differ on the, uh, the number of days Got it. Okay. that Av was in, uh, was in Israel for the year. Yeah. Um, the rabbis told me what we expect by the end of the year, you're already there. Time to go home. You're here set. Um, yeah, I figured out pretty quickly. It was not for me. Not going to work out. Um, so I headed home um, to start college. But like it was like very late in the game to like register for classes. So like they're like, yeah, we don't know if you like, if, well, you know, what's the deal? What you can be in like everything basically is booked up. Uh, there might be a few classes you could take. And they're like, no, but like those classes are like advanced classes. Like you're going to be a freshman. You can't take them. They're like, they're like, you know what? All the classes are full. It doesn't matter. Pick whatever classes you want. <laughs> Oh, because you're just gonna be like the plus one for every class. It's like what they're like. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like we didn't let other people into those classes, but now like basically all the classes that you were that you can take, except for maybe like one. There was like one class like oh you can take that as like an intro, but like the rest were all sold out anyway, so it didn't matter. Like which so place you had like, one you extra were, person. You were for an entire college. What I like to do, um, it's sort of harder to do it nowadays. But um, when I used to fly, which is yeah, I would I used be the last this, person yeah. on the airplane, and then I just pick the seat that I want to sit in. And so you got to do that for college, basically. <laughs> Why don't you right. just tell I guess me you the have, classes you want yeah. to take? And I guess it's risk-free because, like, worst case, you have the uh, the seat that you're assigned. What do you mean? Like, like you have like you have a seat as a or you're saying even on like flights that don't assign seats? Or, oh no 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 no! Oh, you're talking about the airplane. I'll talk about the classes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You you come on. So it's like you if there's a better seat available. If there's an empty you know window seat in the first row in an empty whole right. slot. Right. So you could only you could yeah. only gain. You can't lose. Yes. Yes, you can't. Yes, you can't lose your seat. Correct. Yeah, Although, no, because there's some airlines now that you just like you get on, you get a seat. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, People must get killed. <laughs> I I just flew for the first time with my family, like since COVID, like a year and a half, a couple weeks ago, or maybe a couple more weeks from when we're posting this, and we had a connecting flight, and we missed the, con- and it was going to be a really close connection because the first one was delayed, and when I landed on my app, it had automatically booked us to the later flight like eight hours later so we're gonna spend a whole day in the in the terminal which would be great fun and anyways we're like well let's just book it and like run to like the gate and see what happens and we ran to the gate and we all got on the plane and all our seats were our seats and every other seat on the airplane was taken so i was very confused so they put us on the next flight but they didn't bump us off the old flight they they held our spots on the old flight and i guess if we hadn't showed up as the gate was closing then they would have taken people off of the the, the standby right. list but is it is, so basically they reserved our seats on two planes i was very surprised i was sure we were going to get there and then they say oh sorry we gave away your seats uh and luckily i always what i do is instead of just relying on the boarding pass on the app i always screen grab it the night before when i check in so that i have mm-hmm. that old one as an option because when i opened mm-hmm. up the app when we landed it just showed boarding pass on the new flight it wasn't even available to get on so i don't even know what right. we would have done if not for this anyway this is very boring no one cares about my travel plans um yeah but i'm glad it worked out you're here you're, you, you made it there yes. you made it back yeah here you are Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this guy walks in, um, played by Harry Hamlin, uh, mm. most known for LA Law, Clash yeah. of the Titans, and Mad then later, of course, on Mad Men. Yeah. Um, this I never, of him, when you see his face now, I think of Mad Men. Yeah, I mean, I never watched LA Law. Um, yeah. my parents watched LA Law obsessively to mm. the point that. I would say 75% of the VHS tapes in my house were had like a label that said LA Law. Wow. Like that was like a default 
like the default like blank tape or just like mm. tape that was like available that you could like record over or whatever or just like you know how it's like they all were labeled la law like that's all yeah. they used to watch were you a uh, big, la law and, and you guys a big vcring shows family house um i did it a lot yeah mm. um we, we literally I mean, was, never did um i don't think my parents knew how and so it's just not a thing that we were yeah taught. well i did it more like when i was like later in high school or or later like i wasn't doing it when i was like fifth yeah. grade like i have never um, dvr'd i've never dvr'd i've never v- recorded with a tape an episode of any television show oh wow yeah i used to do it a bunch um yeah it's it was always very scary because like there's so many different things that could go wrong it's like the it's like the alarm clock but like even worse there's like more like different variables um it was like it was like even like if you always did like there was always like 50 50 whether or not you're getting the thing that you wanted yeah um no i had friends who did like i had friends for example they weren't allowed to watch television on school nights but they could watch Unlimited on the weekend. So basically they would record like everything from every night and then just watch it all Saturday night or Sunday or whatever. Yeah. So like when um, I, I've told about how like the, when I was first introduced to Seinfeld, I think I've told you this or said it on the podcast, was on my like eighth grade trip. It was the first time I ever watched Seinfeld. Um, or maybe I'd seen like one or two episodes. Um, but like I hadn't really seen it. Um, like I maybe like I'd heard of the soup Nazi, whatever, you know, um, and then like somebody brought a tape of Seinfeld's like taped of VHS, VHS tape on our bus for like our eighth grade trip to Washington, to watch on the bus. <laughs> no, and, like, we never watching, that. That's funny. We were like watching it and like everyone's having a great time. The teachers are cracking up. Like we watched like three, four or five episodes. Like I'm dying. I'm like, this is like the, the greatest show ever. Like, I can't believe I haven't watched the show till now. And then like the fifth or sixth episode, whatever it is that comes on is the Hamptons. And I like, like, it's like, there's like one thing and the teacher's like, mm. and then like by like the second or third, basically when like, as soon as she's, I think when she like comes on and she's like topless, because obviously she's not, you don't actually see anything. Yeah. They're like, okay, off, like no more Seinfeld. Oh. Everyone's like, you idiots. Like there's like a hundred episodes that you could have picked that like would be fine. And like, um, well, everyone said that you were saying that you didn't know. No, I mean, right. People yeah. were yelling that. Um, or even like I was like, I'm sure this is like, this is not like it's we on watched NBC five episodes. at, at right. eight o'clock. Like, let's not go crazy here. And like, I had just watched five episodes that were like perfectly fine. And I'm yeah. like, so like, that's obvious. Anyway, I mean, um, the first episode I showed my children, which I mentioned on the Seinfeld podcast or on the Patreon, we um, had like a whole double entendre sex thing. But the point is, kids don't even realize that. So either they're yeah. old enough to realize it and then who right. cares? Right. Or no, they're not. And then who yeah. cares? Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, the, the point of that whole uh, anecdote was that I then like went crazy um, recording Seinfeld on VHS, oh, VHS, VHS total, tapes like, in my shocking. house, like on two different like TVs, because like it was on like multiple times a day. Like I wanted to be able to like get all the different tapings. Whole so that way could, like, yeah, I had a whole operation to like yeah. catch up on uh, this show that uh, feel, very quickly like became I my favorite show of all time. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like the it's like the uh, it's I was Jared actually is like a latter day version of me with all his whole operation. Yeah. Different sports, <laughs> except it's live sports. So it's insane. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I would I would guess that there's nobody out there. Very, very few people out there who like recorded a show like once in a while. I feel like either you didn't do it or you knew how to do it, in which case you did it like almost all the time, because why wouldn't you? I mean, um, I did this in yeah, college. I, mean, where I, I would like burn shows from, you know, from from uh, right. like, from files from the network or whatever. Like, and I still to this day, I have like hundreds of CDs in my basement. I think I just sent a video of myself paging through it to a chat. Yeah, like, yeah, I was in that. Just hundreds <laughs> of them. And I have no idea why. I have every episode ever of Friends, The Simpsons through that point, Seinfeld, fine. But then the randomest shows like Eight Rules to Dating My Teenage Daughter. I have every episode of that burned out into a CD. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was like uh, it's a collection thing. 
Yeah, but it's un- but now it's just everything you can just stream online whenever you want. And so the idea of Yeah, I'd be able to like the stamps were worthless yeah. before and after. Like <laughs> Yeah, but yet I won't throw these things out. Yeah. That's what's weird though. Yeah. People don't throw yeah, I mean I guess stamps and baseball cards theoretically have uh value. That, yeah, uh, yeah, they have value that's transmitted. Even if they don't, they do dollars. because yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so um <laughs> should we continue with the episode? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, okay. We so, had an hour with Antoinette. Yeah. We had an hour with um, whatever we're doing. <laughs> and then we'll whatever like, we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, Harry uh, Hamlin, LA Law. That's how. Ha- that's that's how right. That <laughs> He's Harry Hamlin from LA Law, AKA Dino from Big Dog Productions. Yeah. Um, I had an interaction with a big dog actually mm-hmm. once. Um, it was actually me and our guest from two weeks ago, Ari Fader, when we went to Puerto Rico. Oh, I feel like the guy um, you had an interaction with in the bagel store could have been uh, named Big Dog also. Oh, no. I mean, it's possible. No, he didn't seem like a big dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we get there and uh, we uh, we asked uh, somebody in the hotel or maybe somebody had told him that um, if you want to uh, purchase some extracurricular substances, there's a guy on the beach named Big Dog <laughs> who uh, he runs the uh, he runs like the banana boats on the okay. beach and he also lives on the beach. Oh, okay. So like you just if you just go to the beach at nighttime and he's like and he's like seven feet tall, like apparently uh, he's or okay. maybe not seven feet tall, but like super tall. Yeah. very. Um, so we're like, OK, that's I mean, that sounds obviously made up, but like, I guess we can go to that area of the beach at nighttime and see what happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess it could have been a that seven- sounds made up. That sounds like perfectly on point. I, it sounds like too on point. It sounds like I don't fabricated. know. I, I once uh, in my younger days was skiing. And I asked one of the guys who worked at the ski shop if he knew where one could acquire uh, extracurricular substances. And he looked at me like I was an idiot. He's like, yeah, for me or anyone else who works here. <laughs> right. Um, so I feel like yeah, so, it's a supplemental yes. business. So we went to the beach and we like went to the area where like the banana boats were like underneath like uh, whatever, like a shelter of some sort, like okay. you know, tied up, locked up for the night. Um, and we saw there was like a little hut. And we said hello, and some guy, like a humongous guy, came out. We said, "Are you big dog?" <laughs> and he said, "Yes." Mm. And we uh, we had a transaction. But you, can, but you can call me Dino. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's so, weird, uh, by the way, to be named Dino and then go by Big Dog. Like dinosaurs are bigger, more fearsome, more unique. Like Dino is a much cooler name than than Big Big Dog. I think. Right. He should be like T Rex Productions. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or something about sharks, since that's actually what it shows about is about sharks. Yeah. So, right. So he tells Larry all about yeah. the, you know, I just moved in. I'm doing the show about sharks. Now, he um, says this and... as if everyone knows what show it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is, is it Shark um, Tank? Well, oh, OK. Sharks, so because well, we discussed did you, the show So yeah. I was going to bring this up. Did you see this recent item in the news uh, about J.B. Smoove? He's going to be on Shark Tank as a, as a, as a he's going to be on he's going to be on Shark Week. Oh, okay. he, agree- he agreed to go on Shark Week because he thought he was asking to be to go on Shark. He was being asked to go on Are Shark Week. Are you serious? A hundred percent serious. <laughs> but then like, but like the article <laughs> said, like, <laughs> he, uh, so he's good. still honoring. He's still honoring it. Like he's doing Shark Week because like, he, you know, he said, you know what? Like, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to do it. Well, but um, he can transition to a conversation about sharks because, you know, it's in the other show that he's on. Uh, yeah. Even though this is a Leonless episode. This is only on this episode. Yeah, second round. Um, yeah, so Larry gives him a cabinet. And by the way, you know how like every time you watch an episode of Seinfeld in modern times, 
you're the whole time you're thinking like, oh, this everything can be solved with a cell phone. So when I'm watching yeah. non-Leon Curb episodes, I'm thinking everything can be, <laughs> can be solved, solved with, with Leon. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I hear I that. Mean, it depends how you find the word solved, but yeah, yeah, um, he really is elevated Kramer from Seinfeld. Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, so yeah, so as soon as uh, uh, Dino heads out, Jeff's like, "What are you doing? You made a huge mistake. You never give away a cabinet." Yeah, <laughs> Larry's like, no, it'll be fine. Just like, no, it'll definitely not be fine. Like you yeah. gave away a cabinet. It's classic curb, though, where there's an expression that is that you've never heard of before, which is suddenly like completely ubiquitous. Um, yeah, I mean, so like, I, 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 is it really ubiquitous? Though I would say I would argue this one is not ubiquitous because well, Jeff it, knows it, it, Antoinette knows it. Oh, sorry. Okay, so you're, so we're saying different things. We're saying different things. I was I was saying that like many curb things have become ubiquitous. Oh, this uh, one hasn't. Because they ring true. This one hasn't. Um, well, I mean, I think this one's true. It's just so obvious that it doesn't need to be an expression. Uh, well, I, I disagree. I think if a, new, if a new guy moves in, like, he should be given some portion of the space as well. Like, maybe maybe not a whole cabinet, but, like, why should Larry get all the space? It's, like, it's a shared office. Oh, see, oh, I was just assuming that all this, the, the space was shared, right? Like, in your office, like, if you put something in the fridge, you don't have your own shelf. You put it wherever you want. People just know, if I didn't put this in here, I won't take it. Okay, but like Larry then still has to move some of his stuff out to give this guy the opportunity to put stuff in. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if Larry is occupying. Actually, now that I think about it, that doesn't work because Larry has it stocked by Antoinette. He would know, I guess. Yeah, he, everyone needs their own cabinet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah. Okay. Good. So we agree. Hmm. Um, you've okay, you've so... turned me around on this whole episode now, actually. <laughs> the whole time I'm like, big dog is like a psychopath. And, I mean, he is a psychopath, obviously. Well, yes, but but the idea of putting a sticker on one cabinet by itself when you would not you do not consider it so offensive. You're like, yeah, that's fine, that's his. Um, yeah, if Larry, good fences if Larry, make good neighbors. Larry said he could have a cabinet if he had put his sticker just on the on the one cabinet, left Larry with two. I would say like, okay, let's look a little bit much, but like whatever. Oh, okay. I mean, like you always have to put a sticker. Like we could just like understand. What if he like puts a lock on it, like a padlock on it? <laughs> Right. That would be obviously even worse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we go to, I think it's called Fresh Restaurant or who knows? I don't have to pronounce things. Um, yeah. So Jeff and Larry are uh, seated by Heidi, uh, who is the uh, hostess of the restaurant. And as she is seating them, she gives Larry a kiss. Um, so I guess things uh, didn't work out with Shara because there's a new uh, lady in Larry's life. Uh, Larry is, you know, it's just some stroke of luck. You know, he, the things that work out with Cheryl, he's getting one beautiful girlfriend after another. It's very um, it's suddenly very similar to Seinfeld. Yeah, except like it's even more jarring. Like, it, it, you know, Jerry Seinfeld is like an, in his prime, you know, 30s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the, at the height of his powers as a stand up comedian, you know, in theory. Um, yeah. Like, it's, you know, and he's not like a bad looking guy. Like he's yeah. fine. Like he could get Larry, you know, Larry's old and bald. And also we're used to seeing him married. Yeah. Right. Like he, he shouldn't just like be like, well, he's like constantly has this just like revolving door of like very good looking young girlfriends. Well, and you know, so part of the joke of the episode that is he's saying, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, I can shit where I eat and I'm going to come back. Basically, he doesn't really care, which again is very signful Ian. But to me, the reason it doesn't really matter if he shits where he eats is not the girl. It's the restaurant because every episode he had almost like Jerry Seinfeld with a girlfriend. Every episode of the show, Larry and friends have a new restaurant that they love and attend throughout the episode right. constantly <laughs> run into each other. there, always there. And then the next yeah. episode, it's a new place in the old place. Never mentioned ever again. Yeah. Ever. Richard Lewis will later say that this is Larry's favorite restaurant. Yeah. We've heard that about so many places. 
Um, yeah. So I mean, last um, week, the Palestinian chicken, I, I guess things didn't end so well with the standoff. So, yeah, although that's right. presented as a new place. Yes. But why is it a place that's never visited again? Once you establish it in the universe. Well, he doesn't shit where he eats. <laughs> it's a Palestinian place. Yeah. There can be uh, yeah, uh, international co- consequences there. Um, yeah. So um, Jeff is like, this is crazy. You can't be doing this. You're shitting where you eat. Uh, Larry has no problem with this. Um, he agrees. Inevitably, he will break up with her. But when that happens, he will continue to come back here nonetheless. And he will shit where he eats. There's a lot of shit conversation in this episode, not just uh, Larry talking about shooting rates and, and then others saying it to him later. He says it to the girl, in fact, but also the whole thing between him and, and Antoinette's mother with you shitting me, not shitting, shit, not yeah, shitting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of shit talk here. Yeah. I mean, uh, Julia wanted to come out to say, fuck, I guess some of these people wanted to come on TV and say shit. Yeah. Um, eat where you shot. Jeff corrects him. <laughs> Um, what he is much more concerned about is the fact that Heidi has been using smiley faces in her texts. Yeah. Um, for example, the one that she, he just got from her, uh, five feet away, um, in which he said that, uh, I think she said like, I miss you or something. At least he's and, no longer uh, texting with a, with a little girl though. Like he was, uh, yeah, he'll season. later, so like he'll later say like, it makes me feel like I'm uh, getting a text from a 10 year old, which of course we he know has experience. Yes. He, he has done. Now it is um, interesting, you know, like the, the smiley face as Larry calls it the emoticon is the basis of this entire episode. And thanks to emojis, it basically no longer exists, right? Like nobody types those up anymore because now you just include an emoji if that's uh, what you desire to communicate. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess like if for whatever reason you, you're you a really fast typer and like I think it automatically converts it often. Yes, that's true also. So, yeah. so like it might be like it. just like be yeah. faster to just like type it for yeah. some people. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, no, you know, obviously you just like there's a million emojis. Like you don't need to. Yeah, like oh, I want to do one of them. What's what's the letter combination to make like the shrugging shoulders? Guy? Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it is interesting, by the way, how like I was much like Larry. I was very resistant to emoticons, and then I was very resistant to emoji when they first came out. Also, but but now I guess I just use them for everything. Yeah, yeah. And, Communicate. I mean, some of it is, well, I mean, I I mostly do it for like comedic ironic sake. Still, right. the point is, I still do it. I do it all the time. Yeah. And I wonder if it's just a thing where like eventually it's like okay, no, this is just what we're gonna do now. Um, yeah, or just like you start doing something a little bit and you're like, yeah, actually this act does like is fun or like helps or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it's something that you do make use of. Um, I remember I used Twitter for years and I never liked a single tweet. And I just and I don't know why, but I just I didn't want to have any like tweets up there and I want to keep it organized and like um and Akiva's like, No, you really have to like a tweet. He was like giving me because you know Akiva's very into Twitter and like how many followers people have and Twitter rules. So he's very into Twitter. He's like, No, no, you have to like a tweet if somebody says this or this or this about you. I'm like, no, no, I'm not liking any tweets. And he like he uh, wore me down. Meaning like if somebody compliments you, you have to like it. Yeah, basically. You have to like acknowledge an acknowledgement. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean Obviously, people above a certain following are not doing that. Yeah, it's a little absurd. And sometimes, like I wrote, I wrote, like, are, great job way. at being president, Joe Biden, and yeah. he didn't like it. Yeah, well, Joe Biden's an asshole. Everybody knows that. But so, sometimes yeah. you do get like that person like does respond with a like, and I, I'm I'm almost like disappointed when they do. <laughs> yeah, I like I like Joe Biden. I think he's doing a really good job. I just wish he would tweet more. Yeah, <laughs> we need more tweets. Um. What are your uh, what? Are, uh, we actually got this email from a quest uh, from a, uh, a questioner later. Um, she wanted to know what are our favorite emojis. So yeah, I said before I, I, re- I referenced shrugging shoulders guy. That's a big one of mine. I use that a lot. Yeah, um, I like the the Abraham Lincoln the top hat. 
What do you use that for? Well, I don't use any of them anymore. And I, and I never used any of them at the time, but it was one that I appreciated when I saw it. No, I mean the emojis. You don't use emojis? You just oh, said you oh, use emojis. Oh, of emoji. Yeah, yeah. What's my like number one used emoji? Oh, did she? Oh, did she? Maybe she asked about the other one and I switched it. I only, I, yeah, I, I use emojis. I don't use the other one. Mm. Well, let me go see what my most recently used emoji is. Although I guess on my phone, on my different device, it's a different thing. Uh, on my computer, my yeah, most... she asked about she asked about emojis. Oh, on my computer, my most recently used emoji is the fire emoji. Yeah, I use that. I use that. Um, I use the guy, like the thinking guy, like the yeah. guy who's going, the guy who's going. Because, hmm. Yeah, I like that guy a lot. <laughs> that guy's very. This good. doesn't. This doesn't. This is confusing. Yes. Yeah. Um. Oh, you know what? It's also your your first. I'm like trying different apps on my phone right now. Your top emoji is different within every app. So it's oh, like, for what did for, I use last oh, in WhatsApp? Makes... What did I use last in um, in Twitter? <laughs> uh, it's actually funny to scroll like your like twenty most recently. Oh, mine emojis. mine is annoying because like I'm I'm I've been working on like an emoji project, like one of your chart things. Wait, what? <laughs> You're I like to explain further. Well, it's not done yet, so I don't want to say what it is. But like okay. uh, like I'm doing I'll find like, out. a thing. Yeah, eventually. Okay. It's not that interesting. Um, no, but, but my point is my my like all of my recently used are just like from that. Oh, it's okay. like the, it's the stuff that like I inputted for like oh, making yeah, 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 a document. Yeah, well, so like I did that when I, I ranked on Flag Day last in June, two months ago. I um, posted a ranking of all the my from my country flag rankings from when we did that on a podcast a couple of years ago. I tweeted out that order of them. And then my most recent um yeah, all my most recent emoji were like flags of obscure countries, Suriname's flag. I'm like, um, yeah. yeah, so it's it should, it's, it it's a little. Be, it shouldn't be the last twenty you've used. It should be the twenty you the most like, often. Most, yeah, yeah. I want to see that. I'm interested in that, and I want it across all apps, across all devices. Google can track me. They know who I am. I, I want that information available. I want to see what my top emoji are. Yeah, um, my friends use the. Uh, some of my friends use the uh, guy in disguise one a lot. Oh, I feel like uh, most of the ones my That's friends not a use a lot. I, I can't say what they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I started watching that new, um, the new uh, Mike White show uh, with the writer of the uh, the Emoji movie. He has a new show. Yeah, I just read an interview with him in the New Yorker. What did it say? Oh, well, it was an interview with him about about his oh. new show, which is I see what you're talking about on HBO. Yeah. Yeah, but then also we talked about Survivor a little bit, some other stuff. Uh, cool. Have you have you seen the new show, White Lotus? Yeah, I watched the first episode and a half. It's fun. I'm yeah. I'm enjoying it. Mm. Yeah, I think it's I'm very it it's like very mellow. It's very light. Um, like you should pay somewhat attention to me. You don't have to really. I, it has a very good vibe to it. Um, yeah, I would I would watch it. I recommend. It gets the off stamp of approval through one and a half episodes. Um, do you think half. it's a do you think it's like a little weird that like we're doing like kind of a similar thing in back to back episodes? Like we did like the LOL last week and this week we're doing the emoji. Well, I think, no, this is Larry confronting modern technology and like, you know, these are all his issues with it sequentially. Yeah, it just seems like it seems like a little redundant. Yeah, um, um, I, I don't although know I would say although I would say like what she's doing this week is like more normal. Like last week's character. Um, so I'm blanking on her name. Janice yeah, she's verbal texting. And here yeah, that's like, have yeah. a, um, I mean, people do do that, but that's much more offensive. This is much more normal behavior. So you're putting a smiley face. Yeah. But again, it's, it's a, it's a 65 year old man is not going to be like the, the demographic that does that most frequently. Although, as I say that my dad uses emoji more and more sincerely than anyone else I know. 
Got it. Every um, single time a word is like emojiable in a, in a message from my father, there will be an emoji instead of that word. Now, maybe that's because really? like it might be because the phone recommends it to him and he just selects it as a choice every time. Right. But like every noun, pretty much. That uh, seems it, like more work. I, it's I, I'm I'm much faster to type than to go look for the right emoji. Like it's like you have well, to like, the, go to a oh, separate it, it keyboard. It doesn't pop up for you. If, if I you type, start typing, if, if yeah, I type right, the word bear, a picture of a bear will show automatically. Um, yeah, it. it does do that sometimes. But, yeah, but that's only on, on my phone, not on my computer. They don't do that, obviously. Certain apps do that. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, Larry's like, he's like, he thinks it's crazy. He's like, what? Like next, like the failing New York Times is going to say unemployment drops. Smiley face. Um, no, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that, you know, newspapers will remain professional and people can text less professionally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Larry, Larry looks very stupid in this, like this, this complaint, I think. Like, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's again, it's not an uncommon thing that you pe- that you hear people, especially of a certain generation say. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's harmless. It's a smiley face. Um, so, yeah. So in walks Stu, um, played by Patrick Fischler, uh, Mad Men, Lost. Uh, he's in Mulholland Drive also in probably like the, the creepiest scene of that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that or yeah, you know what I'm I have talking seen about. That. I'm, I don't remember him per se because I saw it like 20 years ago, but I'm a huge Patrick Fischler fan. In, in, so in he's the guy stuff. like when like that, like first, like really weird scene, like when they're like at that diner and he's like, oh, there's like a crazy scary monster behind the diner. And he like takes the guy to show him. Patrick Fischler is, I think, the guy who takes him behind the diner or he's the guy who gets taken he's like one of those guys i believe um yeah so yeah patrick fischler great guy in a bunch of stuff um he uh gives larry and jeff big hugs larry is not a fan of the cheek to cheek contacts uh he says it's unacceptable and Stu invites them for saturday night to come for dinner and jeff quickly you know he doesn't want to go um, he says, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it like things between me and Susie are not great, are really not so great right now. Um, Larry, uh, unable to uh, quickly, uh, quickly enough think of the uh, excuse that he has to go to a men's conference, um, agrees to the plans. Yeah. Um, Larry will uh, later in this episode come up with an excuse for why uh, for why something happens and it will backfire. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Stu leaves and Larry, like Larry immediately calls out Jeff on the lie. He's like, what are you talking about? What is this? Uh, he's like, I didn't lie. Things with Susie are in fact not great. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Obviously it's never stopped them from having dinner, but, uh, I didn't say any lie. Um, yeah, I mean, so this, it's, it, it's a very good phrasing, which is, we'll get to it later, but it's, it's part of what makes the phrasing later. So ridiculous in yeah. my opinion, but we'll get to that because okay. here it's like, it's like so intentional, in order to like skirt that line between not actually telling a lie and having like that plausible deniability, which is very smart. Um, but later on, I think uh, it doesn't really uh, work as uh, seamlessly. Um, okay. So we head over to Heidi's house, Larry and Heidi making out on the couch and Larry, you know, pauses the, uh, the kissing for a second to say, you know, just want to let you know that text message you sent me earlier was very cute and sweet, but you know, if you could kind of like go easy on the smiley faces, uh, it makes me feel like I'm uh, getting a text from a 10 year old, as we said. Um, and she agrees to stop, but before they are able to resume kissing, Larry's like, Hey, is there like a mark on my forehead? And she's like, Hey, uh, why are we kissing? Why are we not kissing and talking instead? Uh, which is a very good question. Um, and he's like, listen, there's nothing wrong with kissing and talking. I'll have, you know, I talked during intercourse too. Yeah. And, uh, she's looking forward to it. So now we know we've discussed previously how Larry is actually not just George, but Larry's Jerry, Larry's Kramer, Larry's Elaine, right? 
Elaine likes to talk during sex, not dirty talk, just regular talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so does Larry. <laughs> it's a setup. They're all Larry. Yeah. But also Larry is like so quick to abandon a hookup. And I feel like that's a consistent thing in Curb. Like, you know, like when she says this is a good break in the action, he's so immediately agreeable. And to be clear, I'm not saying that one should not consent. Obviously, one should consent. But when but he's like always so enthusiastic about like, oh, we're done. Oh, great. Like, I feel like that always happens in this show. Yeah, well, he, yeah, it's which is funny because of like he goes to very he often goes to very great lengths to uh, acquire hooking up opportunities. Yeah, but then he's quick and to then up. Yeah. and then very quickly to just like flub it or like you know yeah <laughs> lose out on it over something very yeah. immaterial. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's the show. This is a show. Um, so yeah, she's looking forward to the uh, the talking during intercourse uh, apparently. So I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna mark this as I think it's an important to point out for the narrative that they have they are not sleeping together. Oh, so you're that's not yet. Well, I mean, she, I I think I mean the with the way this is presented, he says, "Just I'll have you know that I talk during sex," and she says she's looking forward to that. That to me that very strongly implies they haven't yet had sex, or she would already know that. And he wouldn't yeah, be alerting that's... her to this, mm. and she wouldn't be saying, "I'm looking forward to it." I think that's very clear that they haven't yet. Yes, yes, I, I guess you're right. I mean, it's something I could say to my wife, like tonight, also, almost like as a joke, and then she would respond that way as a joke. But yeah, but I think, but it is interesting because they're so familiar that they're giving, like, they're kissing each other at the restaurant in front of everybody. Yeah, that's true. But that's not a first or second or third date kind of activity. Probably not. Uh, fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I, it's also notable that they're out on the couch with uh, a third party home and not like in her bedroom. I think yeah, that's also that's, suggestive that's of the fact of a yeah. uh, interesting a, uh, a relationship that has not yet advanced to the that's bedroom. It's weird to me at that age. What are you waiting for? Like, you know. Well, I don't know. People want to know yeah. someone, but before they have sex with them it's, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I understand that. But I'm but I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, you know, not so, me. I'll have sex with anybody. <laughs> I mean, not now, I'm married, but back then. Yeah. And, I, and but, yeah, uh, in, in the in the Orthodox world where uh, many people, uh, you know, uh, refrain from various activities before marriage. I think it's like once you pass a certain age, like uh, those rules are the 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 adherence level, I would imagine, drops precipitously. I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but by the way, I think especially with a May to December romance, I think it'd be even more reason to not wait on both ends for the for the May in the relationship. Wait, who's younger? I guess the December's younger in in the May December relationship, right? I don't even remember what that means. Remind yeah. me. It, it means like a relationship between a much older. Uh, the genders don't have to be this way, but but stereotypically, it's a much older man and a much younger woman. But just a relationship okay. between people who are very different in age. Got it. So, so I think I've I, in my head, December is always the old man and May is, is the young, pretty girl. But actually, it's probably the other way around because December follows May, right? December follows May. Well, May also follows December. <laughs> OK, well, now we're going in a circle. So that's true. All right. Whatever it is, um, I feel like when a much older man like Larry David is dating a much younger woman, I feel like for both of them, they may not want to wait as long as they usually wait, because for her, she wants to ensure that things work the same way that they would in a younger person. And for him, he wants to prove and ensure that they do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think Larry David is down for sex on the first day. Yeah. But like if you were buying a used car, you're going to like take it out for a much more careful test drive than if you're buying a new car. <clears throat> if you're buying Naturally. a new car, you know what it does. Um, you, don't have it concerns. You, you know what you would think? I just bought a, a new computer mm. on which we are talking, and it's been giving me tremendous service since I bought mm. it. It's like not good. Like it's like slower than the one I bought. So like, you should have sex to replace it. First. 
is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I am. Everybody uh, knows I, you. Uh... I've uh, I I, uh, I returned. I didn't yet return it, but I like put in to return it on the website. Yeah. Um, and I have to buy another new computer because I already like moved out the uh, the one it was replacing is now like somewhere else. So it's like it's a whole thing. Like you would think you get a brand new computer, it like it works great. Like it's yeah. brand new out of the box. It's like already like slow installs and like <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully the replacement will be better or the second, the replacement for the replacement. Yes. Um, so yeah, so as we mentioned, uh, Mimi's going to walk in, we find out she's Heidi's niece and she's going to tell them all about a funny YouTube video that she saw. Larry cuts her off and says, okay, you know, you're, you're, uh, interrupting a makeout session over here. And she's like, oh, isn't it very weird now you have like a 65 year old talking to like a 20 year old about his, uh, it's, it's a little strange to me. The whole situation is strange. Yeah. There's um, so many family members making extended visits in the world of Curb. <laughs> well, that's how you get drama. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. So he, she's like, well, I sorry. I didn't realize Like, I heard people talking. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I assumed uh, I assumed that, uh, you know, no, I could come in. And, you know, yeah. I guess that's Although why you don't talk. The point, which, as you said, is or they could just gone to the bedroom. Yeah, unless they're not there yet, which, you know, um, so Larry's like, no, you could do both. And Mimi's like, well, you know, not if it's any good. <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe uh, maybe heads it back out. Uh, sorry for interrupting. Um, but yeah, as you said before, Heidi's like, you know, this is probably a good time to call it. Um, and uh, so Larry's like, fine, shows himself out. Um, but before he does, um, Heidi mentions that she needs to go to the farmer's market tomorrow. They don't can't take credit card and she doesn't have any cash. So she offered he uh, she asked him if she could borrow some money. She could borrow some money and he uh, gladly gives her sixty dollars. Yeah. Is the farmer's market like right downstairs? Um, I don't know. No, there's like they have them like in various places. I think they have them a lot she, in L.A. Wherever, wherever she's going to it, I imagine that between her house and there, there'd be a way to acquire cash if necessary. Yeah, but that's annoying. There are it's machines much more, on like every block. It's much easier to just like have if like so if the, like, you don't have to do that. Like if he has money that he give you, that's simple. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess my wife uh, literally asked me for cash as she walked out the door today. So, yeah, who, so who cash anymore. It's twenty twenty one. Um, I have cash sometimes. Mm. Like I'll go through like like periods where I got like a ton of cash, but and then have no cash. I don't even take my wallet anywhere because I just use my phone for everything. I keep yeah. I, I keep my driver's license in my car actually, and then I just take my phone. And I I never use a wallet, as uh, Kramer would say. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So um, we're back at work the next day at Larry's office, and it turns out that Dino, aka aka Big Dog, has uh, taken two of the three cabinets in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, he's labeled them for Big Dog only, <laughs> and he's crammed all of Larry's stuff into one cabinet. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd say this is we have now back to back episodes that are over like uh, real estate disputes or land disputes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The theme I, of the episode. I, I, so I'll say this. I, I think, see, at this point, I thought Big Dog was clearly the worst person. You convinced me somewhat that, but I do think like there's a difference between putting your name, just putting, you know, Big Dog Productions. And on, only. On yeah, only is. Yeah. For Big Dog only. Yeah. No, and also taking two when they agree. Well, on obviously, one. yes, that part, of course. <laughs> yes. But uh, yes, it's an occupation. We should yeah. So, right. I think if like if he had ta- again, if he had taken his one cabinet and just put on a label that said like Big Dog Productions on it or something, I would like roll my eyes at that. But like, yeah. fine, whatever. I guess. Be a weirdo. But like, yeah. What do you, yeah. You, have pe- you, have people, you have people who do that in synagogue. Yeah. Um, in my office in the kitchen, there's a um, 
there's a sign that says if it if it doesn't have your name on it, it's not yours. Yeah. Somebody wrote that like yeah. on the on a sign on the on the door of the fridge. I guess somebody took her stuff. Um, and like being a lawyer, like I every time I see that, like I want to take a pen and like mark it up because like that's not true. <laughs> that if it doesn't if it doesn't have my name on it, like if I put my lunch in the fridge but don't, don't put my name on it, it's, yeah. it's still mine. Yeah. It just, should be like if, if it has, if it has somebody name on it. Yeah, it's not yours. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or just like if if it's there and it's not yours, it's yeah. not yours. like, like if, regardless of name, like, you know, whether something is yours or not. Yeah. Like, oh, did I put well, that but, in the, well, but in the to be fair, there, there are I mean, in my office anyways, which is a place I there's some communal stuff, but you know yeah, what the communal lo- stuff is. But maybe you don't. What if you're a newcomer? Yeah, I guess in my in mine, it's basically just like milk and water and stuff like that. Like I sort of. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, cause I, you know, sometimes what if there's like an oat milk or a milk that they, they, they don't, oh, I guess if they don't usually have it, then that's your answer, but maybe they've changed things and improved things. So who knows? I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, um, um, so I, I, I have like a mini, mini fridge that I keep under my, my desk where I sit so that I don't have to get up and use the uh, communal fridge. Uh, I know, uh, a real uh, privilege here. And I was sort of excited slash disturbed to go when I went back to my office for the first time in many, many months because of COVID to, to see what would be in there. But uh, to my disappointment, I had nothing in there except like a, an unopened can of seltzer, which is still in an equally good use. We, we recently moved all uh, all my drinks. I drink a lot of cans of seltzer. Mm. They used to always be in the, like the fridge. And like we have like this like wine cooler in the middle of our kitchen that we never use because okay. like, we don't need a wine cooler. But then yeah. we realized like, oh, like we could just like move all, some of the drinks in there, make more fridge space. But now like it's been a week and I still go to the fridge every single time to get a seltzer. And then I'm disappointed that I have to then walk around the corner <laughs> to the new location. <laughs> I assume I'll eventually get used to it. But it's, so far, it's very annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we head back to the hospital, <laughs> not back to the hospital. We head to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're not, we don't need to play the clip again. We already, uh, we already did this dance with that. This was going to be a clip scene. Yeah. Um, potentially. Um, so yeah. So Larry uh, calls to inquire on his uh, condition. You know, we, uh, we covered this before. Hello, boss, Larry. How are, how are the doctors acting? Are they whispering? Are they acting morose? This is uh very, we're very uh, similar to the whole Lewis Lewis thing where Larry's like, yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, mom, like hanging out at the, at the yeah. hospital, like holding court, trying to like figure out what's going on with Lewis Lewis. Yeah. Lugubrious, as we said before. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So he tells Antoinette about the, about the cabinet. She's like, she yells at him. The dad yells at him. You never get a cabinet. Everyone I love agrees. That. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So like they agree that uh, she's going to come in to kind of take care of things. And she uh, reminds him that he has a lunch appointment with Richard Lewis that he had forgotten about and is now late. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the um, the crux of this episode is going to be built around, uh, you know, we said at the top where Jeff comes up with a lie on the spot for um, and Larry sort of jealous of him that he can't come up with such a good lie for avoiding dinner with uh, with Stu, with Patrick Fischler. And now Larry going to be late for Richard and he's going to have to lie to Richard about um, why he's late. And that's going to cause the whole chain of events that leads to everything that happens in this episode. And I don't understand why not just tell Richard the truth. I'm sorry, my assistant's father is dying, and so because of that, my my calendar gets all screwed up. Like, uh, it's yeah, completely I'm, unnecessary to make up this whole thing about Rifkin. I cannot understand why he does it. Yeah, I'm completely with you. Um, I, I mean, we've said this on many occasions that like sometimes Larry's just like his own worst enemy, where like he lies when like the truth would have been fine. Like yeah. this is a, a running theme. Like sometimes you just tell the truth, and like the other person will be like, oh, okay, yeah. 
Like, and also it's like, okay, so Richard Lewis will be mad at you. Like that's, that, that happens every interaction with Richard Lewis. He's mad at you. So like, it's fine. Yeah. He's I mean, I do, you at something else. I do love the thing of like how just casually using a random guy, Rifkin in this case, <laughs> right? Lie, and then how it comes back to screw Rifkin in real life. I mean, that, that is funny. And that is a thing that would happen to Larry David. But um, yeah, the, the way that they sort of force it in, like, uh, is, is it should be a, there's many situations where Larry does bad things to people for much worse reasons and he needs to lie and invoke at Rifkin this just this just isn't one of them yeah um I mean like in, in a similar vein the whole like the whole as you said the whole uh Patrick Fischler stew thing it's like there's like a whole storyline in this episode that's built around this dinner party. Like if, the, if not for the dinner party, like this, the whole thing doesn't happen. But like yeah. we don't even ever go to the dinner party. Like, like it doesn't matter. It's just like yeah. a, like a, pl- uh, you know, a hanging plot device. Yes. You want to go to Stu's house. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Richard's angry at him. And, you know, when Larry tells him the uh, the excuse, he doesn't believe him because he claims that Larry's voice went up when he said it. Yeah. Um, and that means he's lying. Like the same thing happened with the Watergate trial when they all claim, no, I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so this, this like, reminds no. me of Seinfeld saying that the, not your voice going up, but your hands going up. The higher up your hands are on your face <laughs> is um, the bigger the lie. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, it's a barometer of the relationship also. And then, of course, the, the length of pause when you ask someone for a favor is the um, the significance of the favor. Yeah, um, there was a there was a momentous uh, occurrence on the good fight a couple seasons ago where somebody uses the phrase to be honest. And the like uh, the prosecutor <laughs> says, you know, 100 percent of the time that somebody starts off a thing with to be honest, they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. he said, like, that's like the number one tunnel. Like, yeah, that sounds right. Like, yeah. like you, like you, it's like a pr- doth protest too much. Yeah. Like, um, so, yeah, Larry. So it's uh, like, it's in- like uh, you know, 100% of the time someone says, uh, no offense. Uh, yeah, about right. No offense, but you're ugly. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no offense. You can't be angry at me. You can't be offended. I said, yeah. no offense. Yeah. I called it. Um, yeah, Larry. So Larry's like, no, I'm telling the truth. And like, Rich was like, oh, that, that really pisses me off. You know, that guy used to be cool. Now he's one of these Beverly Hills types. Yeah. <laughs> They have 1,300 people waiting for them in their waiting room. This doctor used to be cool because he had no patients. Like, what? <laughs> um, Larry's like, no, I, no. I went to him before. It was cool, man. Larry's like, no, he had this, like, really complicated case. This guy had a really bad burn. But Richard's like, no, like, the, Rifkin is terrible now. And also, the lies, like, worse and worse. Why would Larry know what complicated case Rifkin was dealing with before him? I mean, although we do see that uh, Rifkin is a HIPAA violator, so. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. As is every doctor aside from the curb. HIPAA violations are running a running theme on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Heidi comes over again, gives Larry a kiss again. Richard's like, what the hell is going on here? Um, so you know, uh, he, he figures out eventually. Um, so Larry's like, Oh, how was the farmer's market? She's like, Oh, I woke up late, so I went to Whole Foods instead, and I was able to use uh use a credit card. Um, so Larry's like, Oh, so you still have the sixty dollars? And she's like, Yeah, I do. Now, it's weird that she volunteers the use of the credit card, isn't it? Like, why would she assume that he was asking about the farmer's market because of the $60? Of course he is because he's a selfish prick. Like, <laughs> ordinarily, you'd think someone asked you how the farmer's market was because, like, oh, I said I was going somewhere. And so he asked me how it was because he cares about me and wants to know how the things I do. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. Um, it's almost yeah. like she, she's taunting him. She wants him to. She wa- she's gauging his reaction. Maybe they haven't had sex yet because she first wants to know whether someone cares about $60 before she'll uh, <laughs> You know, as Richard says, what's $60 compared to intercourse with a woman like that? Yeah. I'm on Richard's um, side, by the way. I agree. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. <laughs> um, 
So, um, yeah, so he walks away and Richard's like giving, you know, he's uh, he's Jeff number two, giving the same advice. You can't shit where you eat. You know, things are going to go south. You'll never be able to come back here. Your favorite restaurant. Um, you know, I had this, you know, this, I have the exact same problem. I shot where I eat all over town, all over about Hollywood, all over Beverly Hills. And now, you know, there's this whole list of places that I can't set foot in. Yeah. Um, Larry's like, no, I disagree. I will eat here again. I am the Edmund Hillary of shitting where you eat. <laughs> And Richard says, maybe, but until that happens, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah. So I say, go, like, who cares? Go for it. I mean, a part of it is just like this completely faulty premise of like, oh, this is like the only restaurant. Like, there's a million restaurants. Like, this is a beautiful woman. So you should pursue that to with the full extent possible. And it seems pretty awesome to, like, have a hookup at an awesome restaurant that, like, your girlfriend is the hostess there. Yeah. So but like also, but you're, you're live that up it, to as far as that goes. You're not thinking of it in the Larry David world where the relationship is definitely going to end because of something very bad that he did. OK, so like then you like a maybe you won't go to that restaurant anymore. B, okay, so like, let, let's, she, okay, she'll so, probably like switch to another restaurant at some point. Like, well, so, so are pr- not normal. Yeah. So the premise of this is that you're like you're pointing out what we said earlier, which is that, you know, this is not a, an important actually restaurant to Larry's life uh, as we understand it. So let's say it's Seinfeld. And let's say that the owner of of monks is like a is a is a young attractive person of the opposite uh, sex of one of our core four. Would it be okay? Like, would it be a good strategy for them to to date this person? Again, just going on a date. There's no there's no harm, but like dating them seriously for you know a couple of months. Let's say. Yeah, I mean, so that I think is more problematic because that is much more established as the place where they are literally spent seven hours yeah, a day. But, that, but Richard just said this is your favorite restaurant. But there, again, but that's the point. That's why it's a problem. But that's the point. Every episode, and who cares? Right, and like, yeah, I mean, any and even then, you know, even if it was monks, like, see, so you go to a different coffee shop down the block, it's exactly the same. Yeah, they don't have the big salad, <laughs> right? Yeah, learned nothing. <laughs> I learned nothing. Um, so um, Larry goes not to tell him, as you said, the story about the sixty dollars, and <laughs> Richard thinks that sixty dollars is a small price to pay for yeah. intercourse with a woman like that. Yeah. Um, it's very funny they both call it intercourse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Larry thinks it. You know, it's just like a matter of character. Uh, Richard didn't realize the character was such a priority for Larry, who's a fucking schmuck, and uh, he refers to him as Mister Lincoln. Oh, so we should, we could have used the Mister Lincoln. Uh, oh, that's why he's earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we. Um. Yeah. Okay. Back to work. Um. Antoinette's there. She's fixing everything up. Um. Everything is great. And. Um, Stu and Miriam come in. Um, his wife, of course, is uh, Lauren Bowles, who is his real life wife. Yeah. Uh, she also is the half sister of one Julia Louis Dreyfus. Mm. Um, she was on nine episodes of Seinfeld. Who did she play for nine episodes on Seinfeld? She was a waitress at Monks. Oh. Oh. She the one who gives the finger. That's how waitress types show their derision. It could be. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't do a ton of research uh, on that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So like they. Um. They're talking to. Uh. They're talking to Larry, and um, he does the high tone voice, tone of voice thing again about Jeff, and they assume that now Jeff is having an affair. Yeah. Um, Which and, he always you know, is, actually. 
Yeah. Um, and they have this exchange where like they're uh, he's talking about his uh, his new girlfriend, Heidi. And he's like, you know, how they were saying, you know, she's so beautiful. And they're like, oh, I'm sure she's also smart. You wouldn't be dating her if she wasn't smart. He's like, no, I would. <laughs> yeah. We just learned with Richard last episode. Did you notice here that he's like squeezing something into his mouth when Antoinette is ta- telling him that her dad died? Yeah. How what is that? Open? No, and he's like squeezing something in. Yeah, it almost looks like an eye drop, but it's on his tongue. Yeah, what was what the fuck was that? Well, that's just for the drama of him having to maintain that exact you know position with his mouth and his hand the entire time he hears the news, which again is not a normal like you can close your mouth. There's no law like you must keep your mouth open and shock like you're a cartoon character. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, so her dad is dead. Um his last words were where's Antoinette's? Uh yeah. very akin to the where's Larry in the uh in the book from uh, when his mom died. Somebody wrote the book yes. Where's Larry. Yes. Um yeah. So this obviously happens to Larry David. Yeah, this is obviously a Larry David story that he that he's used it twice. That like yeah, and this the, happened. This happened to our guest uh, last episode, right? Yeah. Um, um, not a death, uh, thank God. But um, yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. So Larry has his appointment. Uh, he's going to see Doctor Rifkin um, about the mark on his forehead. And uh, good news, it's just a benign keratosis, whatever the hell that means. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is put some sunblock. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, by the way, I heard the horrible news about uh, Antoinette's dad, Jim. What a small um, we're town actually, LA is. What a small we're, town. You know, we're actually old friends. Of course. Um, you know, we used to play in a band together. In fact, um, Antoinette asked me to play at the funeral, and I'll be playing Danny Boy on the flute mm-hmm. as they lower the casket. Why, like, why not a song? Like, why Danny Boy? They should play a song with like Jim in it, right? <laughs> like, his name is not Danny. But he's Irish. We established that it's uh, O'Malley. Oh, oh, so is that okay? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, is Danny Boy a big fu- Irish funeral song? Yeah, I think so. I don't know funeral. Okay, it's just a big Irish song. In general. It's just a big Irish song in general. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Okay, fair. Um, um, again, uh, Doctor Rifkin, you know, okay, get, gets rid of the um, the meaningless business about Larry's health, and he moves on to more important business, namely, why did Richard Lewis cancel his appointment with me? Yeah. Um, so first of all, uh, Rifkin cannot discuss with Larry that Richard is a patient. Yeah, or that he canceled his appointment. It would be like an additional story. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, then, and then he also, he can't discuss with Larry that, you know, he happens to agree with Larry that Richard has a mental health issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, not, it's also, it's not only him, a few people of Richard's friends as well. Yeah, which is even weirder. Like, how many people is Richard Lewis uh, recommending his dermatologist to? Yeah, so um, Larry's, you know, Larry's trying to leave and uh, Rifkin is like, uh, before you go, I want to do a full body scan. It's been two years. Yeah. And Larry's like, no, I don't want to do that. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to see my penis. Um, the doctor's like, it'll be a brief look at the penis. Um, but Larry's like, no, I need the advance notice, um, you know, for penis examination so that I can masturbate ahead of time and exhaust the area. Yeah. I don't um, I don't really know what this is getting at. I don't really know. Uh, understand what that means. Cop, other cobwebs on his penis. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't really get that what this is. Um, uh, maybe he means that uh, in the post masturbatory period, he is more impressed with with the size of from his. Oh, I, 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 I think, think I, I have a I have a suggestion. Yeah. Um, I think that he he's he's scared of like getting a boner. Oh, so he wants to. So uh, he masturbates before to kind of to, he's, he's to exhaust oh, exa- the area. Oh, so like, that's oh, you're you're absolutely correct. That's what it is. So it's like a, it's it like a gay panic thing, kind of. Yeah, he doesn't want to get an erection while the doctor is touching his very, penis. Now, in my, I mean, so do you go to the dermatologist and get the full body scan? Um, I did it once when like I turned thirty or thirty-five. Oh. So I do this. I do this once a year, but we have like oh, yeah? cancer in our family. Okay. So, 
Um, but like that is the whole point of going to the dermatologist. It's a very weird thing for Larry to be so reticent for. Um, but also like, I guess every doctor is different, but like my doctor tells me to like, like lift the penis myself and sort of move it around so he can examine the the remaining area. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do it himself or her. That sounds preferable. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't know, maybe some doctors, uh, they do it themselves. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure people do different things. Mm, Yeah. I would, I would guess that Joey had a guy who I hemmed pants in a very interesting way. Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. Right. In prison. (laughs) In prison, yes. <laughs> um, uh, what's his name? Uh, David Schumer from Criminal Enthusiasm was in that episode. <laughs> you see this? I'm showing you the picture. This is uh, Larry. What, this thing that he's putting in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, is, is it like a mint? Is, is it a is it a breath thing? It must be a breath thing. Is it medication? I guess. Do you want to? Should I show you the Susie Essman book? Oh. <laughs> Let's see if I can find it. Total access. Of course, he has a big dictionary. He has multiple phones. There's a green phone and a red phone on the shelf behind him. You see that? And they're not connected for, to anything. Yeah. There's no wires. Do the, the, you, th- you think the red one goes to the Kremlin? <laughs> I was spending a lot of time. I was trying to figure out. There's like, you could see like there's like a baseball picture, like a baseball field down the hallway. But I couldn't figure out what it was a picture of. By the way, as we're scanning backwards, we can uh, we didn't discuss this before, but the stew, like trying to hug him and Larry's not interested in the hugs. This is straight like Jerry's opposition to the kiss. Hello. It's the same. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 Very similar. All right. I can't find it now. All right. Well, uh, if you want to see it, you know, watch the episode, take your own screenshots. Yeah. Um, I think I have a screenshot. I could I could share. Now, you can't push the screenshot button on your laptop for me. When you're watching like uh, HBO Max. Yeah. They block. They block. It, it, it yeah. comes all block. Yeah. So you have to like, you know, go. They have to like take a picture with your camp phone and yeah, make a whole operation. Whole operation, yeah. Um, okay. What, what is scrolling so, right now? Oh. Okay, I was trying to get to the right spot. Oh, I'm getting your so, notes. Oh, you quickly hid them. <laughs> when we had you some, you could see my notes. When we had some friends over, um, or we just say what happened to the episode. Right. When I when I had some friends over the other. Uh, week when we were recording a podcast for the first half an hour of it before they all left because they realized it was kind of boring to listen to us record a podcast. Um, especially when they can only hear my end. And they right. Hear when you were talking. Right. But, um, and I, and, and I was sitting there and they I were all looking at my notes. They were all looking at my notes. <laughs> and it was kind of it was kind of weird, but uh, but then also like, why? I'm about to say it anyways. What's the difference? Right. It's also like it's you, most of it is just like, here's what happens in the scene and some yeah. random thought about it. Like, yeah, exactly. What's I going to say already? Yeah. Um, OK, so back to the office and um, Larry and uh, Larry and Dino are going to meet up in the kitchen. I hope you're planning on putting that stuff away. So. <laughs> yeah, I am putting it away. Right here. I have no space in here, so where do you suggest I put it? We got some ground rules we got to make here, right? Yeah, what this is in Dino's mouth? space has to remain clean. There can be no bullshit on this counter. Do you understand? No bullshit. By the way, you're the one who took my stuff out of these two cabinets and put it into this one. You're telling me that it's unfair, the amount of cabinets and yes. space that I've taken? Yes. There are two things about dog that everybody knows, okay? I am clean. And I am fair. Everybody knows. Oh, really? Okay. Clean and fair. These cabinets are mine. Look. For a big dog only. For a big dog only. Hey, shit! You put the labels on. So what? You can rip the labels Don't off. Don't touch the uh, fucking labels. I mean, Look, now he's getting violent. Big dog, dog does not 
give up cabinets. Well, guess what, big dog? What? This food is staying here because I have no place to put it. This isn't even food. What the fuck is this? Oh! It's rabbit food. Oh, is that right? <laughs> you got pudding in here, okay? You got fucking pudding. Give me a break. Chocolate pretzels? Get the hell out of here. What do you got in here? Oh, cheese dips? Come on. This weighs almost five pounds. You eat this, you put yeah, this in your bread. body? Yeah, it's has no yeast in it. That's bread. That's bread. That's, bread. <laughs> That's way, bread. I saw the show. It stinks. The sharks are swimming around. Nobody's eating. The sharks aren't eating anybody. <laughs> Nothing's going on. Are Just you sharks. Negative about the my sharks. show? Yeah, your show stinks. And you know what? No. I'm not calling your dog anymore. The dog days are over. <laughs> From now over. on, you're Dino. Jesus Christ. Calm fuck down. You, dog. <laughs> you said fuck you, dog. Take your fucking rabbit food and your goddamn five pound bread and stick it up your fucking ass. All right. So, uh, and. <laughs> I'm totally confused here. So Larry is actually eating healthy food. Dog is eating like complete crap. It's very, it's, 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 it's sort of a, a reverse. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a very weird thing to have like only junk food and be yelling at the person with the healthy food for like, how weird are you? Eating? I don't know. Isn't, isn't dog like totally uh, odd here? I mean, it's like more just like, what is this stuff even? Like, I sometimes feel that about like that, those super healthy food. It's like, this is like weird food. Like, normal I mean, people Larry eat has regular bread. That's a pretty normal thing. He has a loaf of bread and then he has some. With uh, no yeast. Cereal. Yeastless bread is not the standard bread that people have. And like, kashi know. is not like you, you normally when like you're like in an office and like you, like you open the cabinets to see like what type of stuff they have there. It's not like kashi and yeastless bread. Well, I mean, I don't it's know. In my office, we don't have any like, we people bring like their lunch for the day. They don't bring like large right. boxes of. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a different situation. Um, yeah. Well, um, so yeah, Dino said that he's he's what he's known for what two things: being fair and what's the other clean. thing? He's clean. Clean and fair. Everybody clean knows that about the dog. Yeah, I love what how you call got? him Dino. You just have complete lack of <laughs> like Larry. The dog days are over. Yeah. Um, yeah. So would you rather be Dino, who's good at two things: uh, being clean and being fair, or Mister Duberstein, who is good at math and fucking? Yeah. Well, obviously, math and fucking for me. Math and but, fucking. Yeah. I mean, both are important to be good at. Being, I mean, it's good to be fair. Um, clean, I, mean, I think, oh, is overrated. What are two things everyone knows about off? Um, I think I'm fair. I'm not okay. clean. <laughs> um, you're, you're fair. Um, dirty. I'm pretty good at math. I would say I'm probably average at fucking. <laughs> Certainly not above average. Yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take average. You're no Danny Duberstein. It's, I'm no Danny Duberstein at all. I only had yeah. one bar mitzvah. Yeah. Well, until next summer. Yeah, next time. Well, yeah, but it's weird though, because that's gonna be my second bar mitzvah, but it's gonna be on the third cycle. So maybe are we supposed to have two bar mitzvahs? You got to make up for the missed bar mitzvah, like a double mean. bar, like a double, like the, yeah. they'll do like you, a forty-eight you, you hour. You need a massive recharging of the mitzvah. Massive recharging. Your mitzvah, your mitzvah, I, mitzvah, I, I, you know, it's for thirteen true, years. <laughs> truth is, I probably do need a recharging the mitzvah. I mean, some would actually, say, actually, ages twenty-six to thirty-nine, your mitzvah was probably at its lowest level, right? Of your, if, if you were dividing your life into into thirds. Yeah, if you asked my mother or my wife, I'm sure they would say that I need you a recharge. You got to recharge the mitzvah. the mitzvah. All right, well, next yeah. time we're gonna do so it. So maybe I could get some sponsorship for this. That would help. This, this, Another uh, thing, this this bar mitzvah rechargement is brought to you by uh, Av's mother <laughs> and wife. Uh, uh, well, me, me and my wife share money, so that's yeah. less. Uh... <laughs> That's well, helpful. Yeah. Um, another one thing I do um, argue with my wife about is, or a thing that she says is that you're not supposed to put things on counters. Um, yeah, my wife is she, very. Yeah, my wife is very anti having anything. Uh, on which, to which I say, then why is there a top to them? Like, <laughs> like of course I mean, you're supposed to put things clean, on counters. You know, uh, it's clean. So that's yeah, I think it's cleaner to not have it. Which is why dog, who's known for being clean, doesn't want anything on his counters. No bullshit on the. <laughs> Bullshit of the others. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, but my wife is very like 
like the um the toaster the microwave those things cannot be on the counters but like you know you're not like schlepping a toaster on and off the counter every time you want to use it it's a huge pain in the ass right so what do you do so what's the answer what's the uh, so we uh, we put ours in um in our pantry we have a like we built a little pantry and then we put a little outlet there specifically for the purpose of putting the toaster there so we have our toaster in our garage which is like right off the kitchen oh okay it's like annoying <laughs> but so Pete, whatever. Th- there are there is such a thing like the kitchen garage you know what i'm talking about where yeah. it's like it's sort of like it's a pull down door on part of the cabinet that almost looks like a, like a garage door Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we don't have that. Oh, yeah. Our garage just happens to be like there's a door yeah, that goes straight. You're talking about a literal garage, yes. Yeah, but we're like we don't we actually don't keep our cars there. We just use it for storage. But yeah, a literal yeah. garage. Yeah. Um, is, is there? Do you have a secondary sink in there? Uh, a fridge in there? Uh, we have a we have a fridge a fridge and a freezer separate to yeah mm. to yeah it's it's yeah it's very and we have like tons of extra like food like, you know non perishable food and supplies. It's it's very yeah. convenient. Mm-hmm. Um. If you want to buy my house, I'll sell it to you for a lot of money. <laughs> we have a great situation with uh, the supplies. And, you know, we got a seltzer fridge. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and for you, it'll be fine because you're not used to going to the other fridge for seltzer. So you'll just like yeah. fit right in. That's true. Yeah. You, you won't have that built in. Uh... All right. Yeah. We'll speak offline about that. Okay. <laughs> oh, you, what you mean? You meaning me? I thought you were saying like proverbially you like the listeners. You're saying I should oh, buy I, your house. Oh, I meant you, but I guess the offer goes to anybody. Oh, okay. But yeah, we should still, I mean, if it's anybody else, certainly we should speak offline. Like yeah. you can't speak online because they're not here. Uh, are we like trading houses? Like am I selling you my house back? Oh, oh, interesting trades will be considered. <laughs> you put that in. Um, my, I love my, it wife, my wife asked me how I thought about moving somewhere for like, <laughs> like a two year period. It's like, oh, we can rent a house. We can rent our house out. I'm like, this sounds miserable. Are you, are you insane? <laughs> you, I, would you want to do that? Like, I, I want someone else living in my house. Uh, no, I don't like this I, idea. I like being in my house. I, yeah. I'm very not in favor of being away from home unless it's like for a good reason. Yeah. But renting out my house to someone else for two years and me renting someone else's house for two years is not a good reason to me. No, not a good reason. I would sooner sell my house and buy a new house. And never come house. back again. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't want to feel like um, like you know, on if it's like a good vacation, that's one thing. But like just to like live be somewhere else, it's like my my father told me recently. So my parents lived in the same house from 1982 until like 2019 or whatever. My father, my father told me, um, the only toilet in that house that his butt cheeks ever touched the entire time he owned that house was like his bathroom in like the next like next to his bedroom, like the master bathroom. That's completely insane. That's is that insane? He's like, that's my bathroom. Why would I go to another bathroom? It, which is completely insane to me. But I do know that like he, we weren't really allowed. To, I mean, if it was an emergency, you could. But like we weren't really allowed to go in there as kids, like to use their bathroom as a bathroom. Whereas in my current house, my kids constantly use my bathroom. Oh yeah. My kids are like, we'll come in and drop a deuce while I'm in the shower. Like they don't care at all. <laughs> Yeah, they all, my, my kids oh, exclusively shower in my shower. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they use it as their bathroom. Us too. And I said to my wife, I'm like, you know, like there is a second bathroom. Thank, like not everybody has their privilege. I realize we're very fortunate. We have a second bathroom with a second shower. That's where the kids should go. And she's like, no, but they like ours. I'm like, whose side do you want here? <laughs> yeah, well, my uh, my five-year-old sleeps in our bed almost every night. So we, yeah. we, have, uh, we have all sorts of boundary issues going yeah. on. I have a four-year-old sleeping in my bed right now, but that my wife is working tonight, so she's not sleeping here overnight. She's in the hospital, 
And when she does that, it's complete chaos because the kids <laughs> sounds claim, like it. the kids all claim like they had uh, signed contracts with my wife. Before she left. <laughs> right. So my oldest insisted that he was guaranteed that he was allowed to sleep in his brother's room tonight. Why does he have to sleep in his brother's room on a random Wednesday night? I don't know, but he had to. And it was agreed. So I said, fine. The problem is that then that brother has to go share a room with the other brother. And neither one can be in the top bunk of a bunk bed because they both like to roll out of bed and fall on the floor. So I like ran out of beds. So I finally just caved and put, put my four-year-old that I said to my four-year-old, you can go in my bed. And then that started a whole new thing because now all previous plans were abandoned because now the daddy's bed is like an option. Everybody wanted to exercise that option. <laughs> right. So, so, then, so then I had a whole complicated scheme where I said, okay, fine. All three can stay here, but then uh, any misbehavior. And so we got down to one within about 30 seconds because misbehavior is constant. So. Yeah, misbehavior is very prevalent. Yes. <laughs> I mean, well, frankly, the standards for behavior, I think, are too high for uh, a child of that age to uh, accommodate for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I feel I, like things are very different when we were kids. But I guess everyone yeah. has said that for every generation of all human time. Yeah, so. whatever. Yeah, there's good parts, there's bad parts. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going just going back to the episode for a second. Um, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Um, I'm very intrigued by like what Larry like went into the shark show thinking it was but, like he his complaint to eat people. His complaint is that nobody's getting eaten. Yeah. But listen, we've already established that people involved with Kirby enthusiasm do not properly understand and appreciate what happens in a shark show. I remember there was a thing that like Trump used to watch the shark thing, but then yeah. I think that was fake. I, I, it's like okay. it's very hard to remember which of those stuff was real and which was parody and which was made up. And yeah, it's all it's all blurred together. Yeah, I just assume most of them are, are, are real. What's going to happen? We're going to end up getting like the P tape, but it's going to be like 2060 and nobody's going to care anymore. It's going to be very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, there's probably not really a P tape, but maybe there is. Um, the way the, the way to know if there is is to look to see if he ever said that somebody else has a P tape because that's his, his yeah. number one tell. Is always that everything that he says that yeah. his opponents are doing is is what he's doing. They're spying on my campaign. They're trying to steal the election. Yeah. Oh, I see. They're, they're crooks. <laughs> they're thieves. They're criminals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anything? Anything more you want to admit about your opponents? Yes. Um. Okay. So should we uh, should we head on back to home to uh, Larry's pool? Yes, let's go to the pool. Okay, so we're at the pool, Larry and Heidi. We've um, never seen. Interestingly, Larry is. Yeah, we, interesting. Larry is. Uh, Heidi is in a bathing suit, a very nice bathing suit. Larry, I think, is just regular clothes. Yeah, well, but we've seen Larry uh, at the beach with Cheryl, he, he right? Yeah, in the thong. Yeah, but that was because he. Um, he like didn't realize he wouldn't be able to change. So like, he came in regular clothes and assumed he'd be able to change now because he'd never been to the beach before. Apparently, well, So um, to me, the weird thing here is that Larry is sitting there back there trying to sun in the first place. Like, I don't understand what he's doing even. Yeah, like, I don't know either. Like, like Larry has been notoriously anti sun throughout the series. He always wears hats when he's in the sun uh, again, much like my dad. And now suddenly he's sunning in the backyard, especially since he knows that he needs lotion in particular. It's uh, sunscreen in particular. He just went to the dermatologist. So, yeah, he should be being, he should be being more careful. Yeah. Very strange. Um, so he tells her about the whole situation with Antoinette and her dad. And, you know, this uh, Heidi gets a little emotional. You know, she can relate because her dad just died two years ago, to which Larry goes, huh? Um, this kind of uh, pisses off Heidi a little bit. She's like, you know, you, normally when somebody says my dad died, people say, I'm sorry, or that's sad. Um, you know, some sort of condolence. Uh, Larry's like, well, you know, I kind of view it as the I'm sorry window has closed since it's been two 
characters. Um, it's kind of like saying Happy New Year in October. Yeah. I wonder if that'll ever come up again. Yeah. But it's interesting uh, here he says October because we know, you know, in, in, in the future seasons that even like like January is unacceptable for Larry. Right. This is also it's from uh, Seinfeld stand up this joke. Yes. I mean, what does when does the sorry window close on the death of a family member? Um, well, it, I, I kind of think like in this sort of context, it never really closes. Just like if somebody says like, oh, my loved one died, you like say, oh, that's too bad. Or that's not like that's just well, like an actual reflex. So if, if, even if, if it's if your grandmother was telling you a story about when her grandmother died 60 years earlier. And not not in not in a well, Holocaust well, context, in a regular context. I mean, most of the time that somebody talks about somebody dying, like it evokes just like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that's sad. Or, no, no, I agree. Like, oh, in, you know. in this situation, Larry should have. But like if I was saying to somebody like uh, in 1990, my grandfather died. I don't think they need to say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but like if but if it's ever in like this kind of like. Yeah, it's a context ever, where it's like if there's ever a question. The answer is say it. Obviously, Larry's insane. No, but it's also because it's like specifically like she's feeling sad about it. So like even if it's like a long time ago, if the person in front of you is feeling sad because like the person who just died in somebody else's life is reminding her of how she felt when it happened to her, like she feels sad now. So you should try to make her feel better or empathize with her sadness, not say, well, it was a long time ago. So why do you feel sad? Yeah, but but yes, but now you're not big Larry David. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, right. So it's like you don't need to like volunteer the like, I'm sorry to hear that in that sort of way, I guess, if it didn't happen recently. But like if the person is sad, like just be nice to them. Um, yeah. I, I guess what I would say. Um, That's a very strange so, yeah. strategy you have for life. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> nice how to how to win, how to win and influence people. Be nice to them. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Larry uh, realizes he forgot to put on sunblock. He asks Heidi to help him out. Um, as she does, he says, oh, I just remembered there was that pen that you loaned me. I'm returning it. And she's like, I don't give a shit. Why are you giving me this pen? And he's like, well, I just think it's important that when I borrow something from somebody, I return it. Borrow, return. Borrow, return. And she's <laughs> like, is this about the $60? Like, what, what do you, what's going on? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? But now that you mentioned it, I did give you $60 that is now in your wallet. Um, she's like, you're crazy. I was, uh, you know, obviously going to return it to him to you at some point. Um, Larry doesn't think she would have. I very much also agree. She was not going to. Um, and she says, you know what? I've, you know, I've had a lot of patience with uh, your shenanigans, but I think this relationship has run its course. Um, Larry asks, is it a breakup? She confirms it's a breakup. Um, so to, what kind of bothers me about this scene is that I feel like the two situations should have been reversed. Um, to me, the first thing is like a far more egregious offense that that should have been like the straw that broke the camel's back. Like the sixty dollars thing, it's like he's like he's being petty, but like you borrowed sixty dollars from him, so like if he asks for it back, like it's not like ridiculous for him to ask for it back, and like you should just give it back. I mean, it's a level of intimacy. I feel like. Well, so that's where. I wanted to flag earlier the fact that they are not yet sleeping together. So, you know, I don't want to like say what, that, that necessarily they're, means they're that you're not in enough that they kiss each other, like, you know, in public. That's true. That's true. A, a person um, who like, I mean, so, you, and also it's a relative amount, right? So $60 for Larry yeah. is equivalent to like, you know, $6,000 for us. 
I guess, but like at a certain point, that's not fair. Like, what if it's a thousand dollars? Like, they're like so that like it's not material to Larry David unless it's a hundred thousand well, dollars. We were discussing like, the How much money was she going to get as a bonus for getting a cabinet back? Right, she said she thought two hundred dollars. Right, yeah. I guess Antoinette knows Larry better than we do. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I, like, I, yes, if the, I think if their boyfriend and girlfriend, he should eat the sixty dollars. If like they just don't, you know, if they went on three dates and like they're not a relationship, they, he hasn't been to the bedroom, um, you know, then like you borrowed sixty dollars from a guy that you just met, you should probably pay him back. Yes, that's kind of how I view it. So yeah, so I think the scene works better if the two if the two um, complaints are reversed and like the you know the offense to her father and her you know and her sadness is what drives him out more than this stupid sixty dollars thing. Um, so she heads out and Larry just wants to make sure that she got his entire head and she smiles and says, of course she did. But it seems that possibly she did not because we got a time lapse of the sun and Larry baking underneath. And when he goes into the bathroom, he bellows out in shock. Um, as we see in the next scene, he arrives at the funeral yeah. and now, he walks around. How, and, it is yeah. very smooth the way that Heidi puts the smiley face on his face without him noticing. Right. Uh, um, yeah, but I could see how you wouldn't notice because oh, no, no, that, I wouldn't notice. Yeah, you... it's very smooth. It's only. Yeah. But yeah. I'm really impressed with her is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. would think that he would have felt that like he didn't do he didn't do the rest of his head. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But Larry. Uh, yeah. So the, Larry showing showing up to the family function with the burn is straight out of Kramer, of course, in Seinfeld. Yeah, I would say this is uh, less offensive than that. Yes, uh, but it makes no sense why Larry's against wearing a hat. Uh, as I said earlier, first of all, he will often walks around with a hat anyways, but like, why would you rather walk around with an idiotic smiley face on your face? <laughs> right, than a Dodgers hat. He's, he hates the Dodgers. Like, well, okay. you just tried, you just went to the Dodgers, wear his Dodgers, Dodgers episodes, hat. You know? I understand. If I walk in and somebody says, I'll give you a Yankees hat, I'm not wearing that either. But he could have come in his own hat, right? Right. He's anti hat. Yeah, I mean, you're a bald guy. Listen, he later yells um, at, at Rosemary. He says, get rid of the hat. So he's just anti-hat, yeah, no, to, basically. To be fair, if he showed up to the funeral in a Dodgers hat, I think people would think that's inappropriate, too. Mm, yes and no. It depends on the context, I think. But to yeah, this type of event, like he's look what he's he's wearing like a suit, like but he with, been, with he a hat. Been, like, he, but he could be wearing like a baseball cap with like with you know without a logo, like a plain black baseball cap. Yeah, or he, maybe he could have got like a straw hat. Well, no, I, I think a plain. I mean, like I, you know, you see people at synagogue wearing suits and like plain baseball hats, like, like a cap. Summertime. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think fine. that's fine. Um, yeah, so he uh, he explains that the smiley face is Especially frequently when he's got a burn used by idiots at the end of text messages. Yes, I think I I thought the way that uh, in the scene, like he's he uh, he says that she stole sixty dollars, very reminiscent <laughs> of the gum. That woman stole twenty dollars for me. Um, do you remember the uh, the Family Guy joke about Rosebud? Uh, which one? There's um there's an episode I think it's fairly early on where yeah, he's watching early. he's watching Citizen Kane or so somebody yeah. else I think is watching Citizen Kane and he, like he he dies and he drops the thing and he says Rosebud and then it cuts to Peter Griffin on uh, like having recorded himself onto the tape it says it's his sled there I saved you two boring boobless hours <laughs> yeah uh, spoiler yeah. alert by the way for 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 Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane yeah yeah. And for that episode of Family Guy. <laughs> and for that episode of Family Guy, yeah. 
Yeah, ruined the joke. Um, yeah, so uh, we meet uh, Antoinette's mother, and turns out that she was a she was an, a secretary, an executive secretary, and she's going to take over for Antoinette to hold the uh, to hold the seat for her. Um, and the funeral starts, and the friend is giving a eulogy, and Richard walks in and sits down in the same row as Doctor Rifkin. Luck would have it. Now hold on, um, why is Richard showing yeah. up to Antoinette's father's funeral? Um, you know, just you know, from from knowing her over the years. I think that makes sense. He's Larry David's best friend. He's, you know, in, hangs out in his office all the time. Like he's, he knows Antoinette for many years. Um, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes sense. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, they start, they start fighting to each other in a whisper, you know, you know, why did, why did you cancel my your appointment? You made Larry David wait 45 minutes. Um, he's like, that's not true. Um, Larry overhears that this thing is going on. He knows it's going to blow up in his face. So he gets down on hands and knees and starts crawling outside of the, uh, the chap. Yeah. Um, this so now my question here is television. why. Honestly, yeah. So the, uh, the funeral ends, the procession goes, um, why is Larry still here? Why did he leave the funeral? Yeah. Why is he joining the procession now? Right. He should like, when, when he left, he should have just gone home. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, you go to the part in the in the in the funeral home, and then the cemetery is for you know close friends and family, and you know you you uh, very close friends and family, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what we do. Maybe the, you know it's the the, uh, the etiquette is different for this yeah. relationship. I don't know. Um, yeah, so as he's uh, driving, so is Larry going to the to the cemetery? Was that his plan, or did he just get caught in the procession? It's not really clear. No, I mean, I, no, I, he's um, part. Of, he has to be part of the procession because that's why he's driving in a line, and that's right. He's definitely part of the right, procession. Right, right, right. Yeah. Although yeah, don't so they the, don't they usually uh, give Dr. you like Rif- a thing to put like a little a flag to put on your car when you're part of a procession, right? Um, you're supposed to turn like put, uh, put your headlights on. You know, that also, but yeah, you stand in line and you're driving 30 miles an hour down the highway. But also, they give you like one of those little flags yeah. to put on your car, so people know. I um I have not once in my life um joined the procession to go oh. when I when I have gone. I just get the address and just go there on my own. Like yeah. I have no patience for it. I can't just like do that. I just, you know, I'll meet you there. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you've never been like in like another city for like a funeral or whatever. No, but I would just get the address. Oh, like Uber. It? All right, okay. <laughs> no, I would try. I would just put it into my phone and just go there. And no, but I'm saying you've speed. never been like, you've never been to a funeral in Detroit, for example. I guess not. That's just me. Oh, oh so I don't have a, So I didn't have a car. You mean? Yeah. No, I've never, I've never had my own car. Yeah. All right. Um, so, um, I, I like that the doctor, when he, when he yells at him, he calls it 45 minutes, three quarters of an hour. <laughs> okay. I don't think I've ever heard anybody refer to that way. Okay. You, you, you hear a lot of quarter of an hour, like quarter past four. You never hear three quarters. Um, so Larry, uh, Larry admits that, you know, actually, you know, I, I made it up because uh, Richard Lewis is an excuse. Um, the doctor's like, he, he seems to understand that. And he says he will forgive Larry as long as he tells Richard the truth. And he submit to a full body survey. Now it's Larry getting creepy, by the way. agrees so long as Dr. Rifkin agrees not to sneak a peek at the penis. Um, and Dr. Rifkin's fine with that. He doesn't want to see Larry's penis. Yeah. Um, suddenly, Doctor Rifkin realizes that they have uh, they've lost the procession, and he has no idea how to get to the cemetery now. And he was supposed to play Danny Boy, and the people at the cemetery have no idea where Doctor Rifkin is. And now, hold on a second. Gallery chimes Wh- in. Why? Yeah, is so- Obviously, Rifkin is only himself to blame here. But even in the scenario, once he sees Larry as part of the procession, why did he have to zoom up and tell him to pull over? You know where he's going. Just speak to him there. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, he didn't have to do that, yeah. but he got bullied. Um, so yeah, the whole, the whole, the peanut gallery, uh, say, you know, this is so typical. We've heard he makes his patients wait and they all agree they're canceling their appointments. Mm-hmm. So, um, two, a couple interesting nuggets. Um, so the, the woman who says she's canceling her appointments, um, her name is Lisa Pesha or Pesha. Um, do you recognize her at all? I didn't recognize her. What should I know? That sounds like a no. She was in four episodes of Seinfeld. Okay. She was in an episode called the masseuse where she played Lisa Elaine's friends who uh, she speaks to about her dating Joel Rifkin, which is weird. Yes. That both situations. Oh, that's funny. I know. Yeah. Um, is that intentional she, or coincidence? She, she I, I think probably coincidence. Um, when you hear the uh, next part, I think you'll be uh, more certain of that. Um, she then comes back for three more episodes, the cigar store, Indian, the fire and the raincoats, except now her name is Joanne. Oh, that's the same actress. Yeah. So she like, I think she's one, she's Elaine's friend. And then the other time she's Elaine's coworker, but it's the same actress, but different characters with different names. Hmm. And the first time she very curb, like just is given her name, Lisa. The second, then she comes back and they change her to a a character. Seinfeld never really did other than Jerry, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I actually with her where she said that she actually yeah, had like a whole scene here where she like explains to Larry why smiley faces, faces are actually very useful, could like soften something, make it more personal, uh, but obviously didn't make it into the episode. Um, so it's like interesting, like we've like we've spoken about this before, how like, you know, sometimes people just have these like, you know, uneventful scenes um, and like, you know, they didn't, you know, they missed out on the opportunity to become the next crazy ice killer, but like. There could be a bunch of stuff where people do have scenes and just didn't make it the episode. And like sometimes it's their fault, sometimes it's not. It could be for unrelated reasons, you know. Yeah, it could different just be the length of the episode so no or the story. The like, yeah. Um, what, what the, where, yeah. So it is. It's or just whatever they had to cut something. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. They, you know, especially with like an improvised show, I imagine um, there's just like stuff where like you think you might use it, and then like yeah, you know, just didn't work out the way you wanted, or just a later scene didn't doesn't connect anymore. Like a lot of different ways that things could get cut on the show. I feel like more so than other shows. Yeah. If only we could speak um, to someone who helps uh, with so, the yeah. editing of the show. Yeah, that would be really cool. So um, we're back in the office the next day, and Rosemary bringing Larry some tea, and she's doing a tremendous job. She even promises to get back the cabinet. Um, Jeff comes in and Larry, you know, tells him about how, you know, listen, I hired her just to replace Antoinette for, you know, a little while until she comes back. But now I'm thinking if there was just some way that I can, um, you know, fire Antoinette and have Rosemary permanently, that would be amazing. Um, of course, nobody's ever pulled off the mother daughter secretary switch before. Yeah. Um, so Larry, um, you know, he, as you said before, this whole thing, he excuses himself to go to the bathroom. He leaves the room, which as you said, doesn't really make sense. Um, and when, um, Rosemary comes back in. Jeff's like, you know, hey, how you doing? And, you know, she gets, you know, she gets a little teary and he consoles her, gives her a hug. Um, as Larry walks back to the office, he passes by the kitchen and he sees that Big Dog has put a sign on the kitchen door that says private kitchen, Big Dog <laughs> productions only. Um, really escalated things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, now we're, you know, just completely off the reservation at this point. So, yeah, we're going to go to another clip now. We're going to have... Patrick Fischler, Stu, is going to uh, see Larry in the office in the hallway. Hey, Larry. How are you, man? Hey, what's up, man? Oh, good to see you. Hey, we're so excited to have dinner with you guys. We're excited to hang out with uh, Heidi. Heidi, right? 
Oh, um, you know what, Stu? I'm so sorry. No, Larry, don't. The thing is, things aren't great right now between me and Heidi. Mm-hmm. You're actually going to use the same bullshit excuse that Jeff did, that things I aren't I am telling right, right. you the truth. I can't believe it. So you're telling me the truth? Yes! And Jeff's telling me the truth. Yeah, yes! Okay, that's a very uh, bad lie. Lying? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, we made a huge mistake. Miriam told Susie that, that Jeff's having an affair. What, is she insane? Why would she do that? Because your voice, when we came to your office, your voice went up. So Susie thinks they're having an affair? Yes. It's completely insane. So you think that my wife has a big mouth? Yes! <laughs> that why Jeff doesn't want to go dinner with us? Yes! Susie! Slandering, cock-sucking, fucking fat <laughs> Susie! he could get away with this shit with me? No! Susie! Leave him alone! Who is this fucking hey! warrior with? That's Antoinette's mother! Her fucking Antoinette's mother! That's... <laughs> oh, stop, please! Um, all right. Very good scene. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So again, what I, I, Larry like went all the way out of the hall to like some public area to use some bathroom. They just needed to get him there so that uh, Susie could uh, attack. And um, how is Susie not going to jail for a long time? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And as I said before, the whole like um, things between me and Heidi aren't so great right now. Just, like you would just say like, oh, we broke up. Like yes. we're not together anymore. Of course. Like it's such like a forced usage of the phrase. So I call back from earlier. Yes. But also to based on the tone of someone's voice to decide they're having an affair and then tell their wife. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a bit much. Yes. Why don't you uh, get a, a second source uh, before you uh, report <laughs> this news? At least. Yeah. That, I, I wouldn't even consider that a first source, <laughs> yeah. frankly. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think you need necessarily a second source. You just, I think one source. You need, could one, be yes, you need one legitimate but, source, yes. but at least one is a good start. Yes. You shouldn't do it with zero sources. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um anything else here? Uh no, yes, yes. Su- Susie just completely uh top for a game there on the prowl. Um okay, so we head back for one last scene to uh Heidi's restaurant, and Larry's uh Larry's there despite being told not to, and he explains that he shot where he ate and he will now eat where he shot. Yeah. Because while great way to tell a woman that she is shit, basically. <laughs> because while my relationship with Heidi, with you, has ended, my relationship with this restaurant lives on. Uh, but we uh, cut a little bit ahead in time. We get a little time lapse, and Larry's eating his food, and he's not feeling so good. And Heidi comes over to ask how everything is, and Larry says, "Did you by chance put something in my food?" To which he says, "No." Mm-hmm. In a high-pitched voice, uh, obviously, meaning that he's lying. Uh, do we think possibly Heidi has shit where Larry eats? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the assumption there, right? Uh, do you do you think it was it was Heidi's uh, Heidi's feces? I would hope not. Or did she, but or did I she mean, engage the uh, the services of uh, one of the members of her kitchen staff? I, I yeah, I, I mean, I think she probably said uh, put shit in this guy's food, and exactly <laughs> how that was interpreted and how that was applied. I'm not sure. So but, she wasn't asked for a stool sample. Yes, I don't think so. But it's it's often what I've wondered, like, um, you know, uh, occasionally you hear protests where people throw bags of feces at other people. And I've always wondered, like, when you're at the stage in life, when you're squatting over a bag 
so that you can go throw this at another person, you have to like reconsider your life choices, right? Like if you're throwing your bag of feces at somebody else, okay, they're a bigger loser than you are, but you're like a big loser in this situation also. This is not a success. Not a success. Agreed. Just, uh, you know, let let the people pray in an egalitarian fashion. Uh, Agreed. Yes. So let's let's uh, talk about the rating for this episode. Uh, how do you rate this episode? Um, I'm gonna give this episode two pretties. I'll say it is pretty pretty good. Um, I think you know there's some funny scenes. There's a couple good jokes. They kind of like work in isolation. Um, I think this this just like the storylines here are just kind of a little bit too paint by numbers. Like nothing really stands out. Um, like you know the the, the Dino storyline I think has the payoff because like that one scene of them fighting is very good. So like you know I'll give that like that one's okay. But like I think the uh, the Antoinette storyline feels kind of forced. As I said before, the whole stew thing is just like it's it's just there to move the plot along. It's like not actually part of the episode. It's like the last week we had Palestinian chicken. Like we we had dinner with these people. Like they were they were there in the course of normal events. Here he's just like he's just popping into Larry's office to talk about. Uh, um, you know, Chekhov's uh, dinner party that never comes. Um, and like the storylines themselves, I think in this episode are also just like feel like kind of redundant. Like it's like Larry like does something nice to try to help someone, and it backfires. Then he overreacts, and they overreacts, and it builds up. Well, like, but that's the whole show. That's like the series. <laughs> well, it's not. It doesn't usually start out with specifically like he's being not. He lends the sixty dollars. He does yeah. someone a favor. Gives him the cabinet. Like, and then it's like, and then the other person, instead of just saying like, "Oh, thank you for the favor," like takes advantage of it. Uh, it's just a kind of like very formulaic the way the storylines in this episode go. And, I also think yeah, even, just, in, even in the world of Curb where there's no lessons, like Susie can't beat the shit out of a woman and there'd be zero conflict. Right. You wouldn't. Yeah. Can be like, a senior citizen, no less. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, I think this episode is just like not that good. Like I guess I said before, there's a few memorable. There's, there's a few funny scenes. There's basically nothing memorable from this episode from this episode at all. Never give up a cabinet. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, that, yeah. it's not sticky. I've never, right. I, I didn't remember that. Yeah. You go ahead. Um, okay, so I mean, I, I think I emailed you. I know we discussed so there the overall rankings later in the podcast, but I'm going to discuss my ranking system right now. I emailed you this uh, last week. <laughs> my whole system is out of whack. Um, basically, what I do is I, after I watch an episode, I, I think of how I like it, and I go look at my order of rankings of all the episodes, and then I slot it in that spot, and then it gets the same stars as the episodes above and below it. So um, I didn't love this episode either. I, I ranked it 64 out of the 75 we've seen so far. And so based on my star system, that's that's a two pretties. That's pretty, pretty good. Um, but then I was thinking, you know, it's weird to me that this episode is getting only half a pretty less than so many other episodes that I've been enjoying lately. But they've been only getting two and a half pretties. And so I basically went, I did a mass overhaul of the entire system. Um, I didn't change. I didn't change my order of my episodes. I just increased the ratings of certain episodes on the margins where I thought appropriate. Um but um, and, and I thought, OK, now because I've been sort of a tough grader and I've had an unfair curve, especially compared to you. So now it's better, I thought. Then I went ahead and averaged out to see where my new average is. So my new average episode is ranked 3.27, which is almost identical to your average of 3.3. So that's OK. But, you know, my average rating was before I did this whole overhaul, 2.99. I mean, that makes sense, right? That, that's like three should be the average on a five point scale. So, so then actually, why did you switch? Yeah. So now I'm, re- but now I'm upset with myself that I did like, you know, okay. So I was a great inflator. That doesn't mean I have to be one, but uh, whatever I've switched. I'm not switching back. It is what, yeah, you I know, think I- once, once I do, it's, it's like, Dino you know, big dog with the shelves. I'm not giving one up. I'm not redoing my rating. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not like this I do comes in as, sports rankings every year. <laughs> this comes in as the uh, the 66th uh, best episode for me out of 75. So, yeah, I, I, this is, uh, I guess, not quite a bottom 10 episode, but I think uh, not far off. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's good. It's funny. It's a very enjoyable show. Yeah, it's a good show. It's a good show. Even the bad we episodes. Should, are we good. should do a podcast about it. Yeah. All right, who is your uh, come with uh, guy or gal? My come with gal is uh, Antoinette. Um, Larry's life is in shambles. She comes by for 20 minutes and his life is fixed. Yeah, I think she does a great job. Um, as I said earlier in the episode, when we were talking to her. I think that um, we uh, maybe have overstated the effect that the loss of Cheryl has played on Larry's life going forward. And uh, we're not going to see Antoinette in his life as that stabilizing force anymore. And, mm. um, you know, Larry's going to be a little bit lost without him, without her in general. So uh, she's the come with gal for the last time so far. Yeah. Now, um, I'll say this. It's earned with the 13 episodes and, you know, so many great moments that she's had, of course. But it reminds me a little bit of Kobe Bryant in 2008 being named the uh, the MVP or uh, the time that Derek Jeter just lost the MVP in 2006 to uh, Justin Morneau. And one of the big arguments of Yankees fans is like, you know, he deserves it for the breadth of his career. Uh, and Kobe basically got it as a career achievement award as well. I uh, know you have to judge it based on that episode alone. And so to me, Antoinette, very good. You know who's even better? Rosemary. She steps up so yeah. her daughter can mourn and she's a better assistant to boot. So Rosemary, to me, uh, she is my come with gal, but I keep it in the family, but I'm going with the mother. You're going with the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I think now, both are only, fair. If only I could get the daughters to like me the way I like the mothers. The mothers like me. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to fucking asshole. I guess I'll go first here. Big dog sucks. He's terrible, obviously. But Miriam has to be the worst person. She decides mm. she's having an affair based on no evidence, promises she won't say anything, um, to which Larry correctly responds, well, of course, there's nothing to say. And then she writes to Susie and snitches a lie. You know, and now, again, as I said, like, Jeff is constantly having affairs, so it might technically be true. But Miriam doesn't actually know that. So to me, Miriam has to be uh, the fucking asshole today. Um, yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I, I was with you until you pivoted. Um, I think this is just like a slam dunk for, Dino. he's just like so over the top, so ridiculous, like such an aggressive asshole. Like you move into a new place and like the first day you're like stealing cabinets and like marking them as yours. And then you lock the kitchen. <laughs> like what the fuck is going on? Here? Yeah. This is, but Miriam this guy's have, a nightmare. Mir might have ended a marriage. She might have. Yeah, I mean, like part of it is like also like why is like Susie like so over the top like yeah you know this like yeah Jeff is sleeping around like you have to go beat the shit out of you're gonna beat the shit out of every woman that Jeff is sleeping with like, also why are you attacking her attack him he's the bad guy here well I mean maybe well in, th- in this case attack neither neither of them is doing anything yeah, yeah he's, being a, he's being a very nice yes. gentleman yeah the, the, thing, us, uh, the dog thing, widow. the dog thing does remind me of you know I, I know certain people who like they um they move they move into a new neighborhood they move into a new house and immediately there's like conflict with one of the neighbors. And that, I mean, I, I guess that's that's also a shitting where you eat thing. It's just why are you creating conflict with somebody who you might see for the next 20 years or 30 years? It's just right. it, it's the, insane. The first day you move in. Right. You so should, like you can only imagine like six months in yeah. those types of shit this guy is doing. Like you, you have to really bite your tongue, even if your neighbor does something really obnoxious, because it's, it's not not worth it. You know, like, you know, choose it's your not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Two fucking well, assholes. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay, is it time for the postman then? I guess it's time for the postman. Uh, but we actually first have a uh, a new review. Um, 
it, I, it was a little confusing. I got like an alert that on we Apple, had a new review po- from Apple. Apple. Okay. Um, well, no, actually, I got it from like a third party service that like tracks the yeah, yeah. Uh, the Apple charts. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but like, it's not. I don't see it on Apple. I just like got an alert from it, and apparently, it's from like the Finland version of Apple. So I don't know, <laughs> and there's no name on it either. So okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this is or where it's from. It also says it was posted in May, but like. Again, I, I, I don't know where this came from, but I'm going to read it anyway because I got a thing that said from Finland, Alex and Av are genial hosts, big fans of Curb and Rye and Witty without taking themselves too seriously. That checks out. So it sounds like he listens to the show. Um, also nice insights into some of the cultural aspects of the show and more recently, some excellent guests. Um, so yeah, so thank you to whoever wrote that from Finland. We really appreciate it. Um, and we would really appreciate if you, a person listening to this podcast right now, would go to the Apple Store or Apple Podcasts on your phone and give us a rating. That rating should be five stars. And if you want to write something nice, that would be great too. And I say um, to our Finnish head- listener, I say ketos. <laughs> did you just look that up or you do that? Ketos is thank you in Finnish. No, well, I, I did not figure that. that out. Yeah. Oh, uh, we have, we have Google, uh, unlike, um, unlike Larry David. Yeah. I had to ask Keith. Steve's didn't yeah. know. By the way, breaking news. Um, one of, um, I don't even know if he's a listener, but somebody I know just messaged me and said, uh, you recently uh, tweeted at somebody and asked them if they want to come on and be a guest on this here podcast. And a friend of mine just messaged me and said, I went out with this person's daughter a few years ago. Oh, so get the hookup. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we will be using our our friend's exes as a way to uh, garner more guests for this podcast. All right, cool. Um, postman, uh, postman, uh, come here. here Tell okay. the neighborhood what right, a shanda, Larry, uh, uh, Larry uh, David. Uh, 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 you, you're a lousy Jew, but you're a lousy human being. He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair. A shanda. Maybe you should have given me some candy. You're a lousy Jew. Um, okay, first email is from Michael J. Clark, uh, Officer Krupke. He said oh, no, he wasn't Officer Krupke. He was he was not Officer Krupke. He was it was a different guy, right? I remember who he was. Um, but yeah, MJC. He says this is a mid tier episode. I forget how long it takes Larry to make it to New York. The couple who tell on Jeff is a is a couple in real life, as we said. Playing are they playing themselves? No, they're not because their names are Stu and I don't know if we say her name, Miriam, Stu and Miriam. Miriam in real life. In Miriam. real life, their names are Patrick and Lauren. So um, yeah, I don't think they're playing themselves. Um, he says I like the smiley face. It's a cute coda. He says the come with gal is Antoinette. The fucking asshole is dog. And he gives it two and a half pretties. Um, Okay. Next email is the great, enjoyable, highly anticipated return to the postman of one Moira Roseberry. Oh, well, this is exciting. But didn't we already read her letter? Well, she has more. Oh, oh, awesome. Okay. She now returns to the postman. Oh, okay. That was the uh, she was that was her introductory uh, appearance on the earlier part of the podcast. Ah, I don't think okay. she's done that Got before. <laughs> um, so she writes in and she says, "Hi, Alex and Av. It's Moira Roseberry, and I never give up a cabinet. I thought you forgot about me, but I have heard a couple of mentions during the postman segment, and I am all caught up." Oh wow! So she's no longer jumping around. Yeah, she says this episode really resonated with her. She's been the hostess in many restaurants in LA, has a dead parent, and easily again and is easily sunburnt, but most of all, she is a big user of emojis. Mm. Um, she says, I know we needed the Stu storyline for Susie to believe the affair with Antoinette's mother, but this episode has a bit too many subplots, and I could have done without this particular one. However, there were some great moments. Big dog unnecessarily filling up a cabinet with liters of room temperature, Fiji liter water bottles. 
Antoinette getting the office back in order. And of course, Camp Town Larry, ladies, a la Larry. Yes. And uh, she was the one who asked what our favorite emojis are. Ah, um, yes. So uh, head back to earlier in the episode. Uh, <laughs> if you're still here and you weren't, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you're, if you're listening now, you probably heard it. Um, and she gives the episode three and a half pretties out of five. Um, next up is Raj Krishnan, who gives the episode a rating of three out of five. He says, some funny moments, nothing spectacularly funny, but I thought the subplots were intelligently crafted, i.e. shitting where you eat, cabinet space, a lying tone, etc. The asshole is definitely big dog for taking up too much cabinet space, then blaming Larry and not honoring his agreement and for generally being an asshole in the way he talks and deals with people. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, that's a good uh, summation of what a fucking asshole is. Yes. Uh, come with gal. Oh, that that, that for- all applies to Susie also, who uh, beat the shit out of somebody. And yet, yeah. No, no yeah. votes yet. <laughs> he gives the uh, come with gal to Antoinette's mom for stepping up and taking care of her daughter's position and helping out Larry. Jeff is someone good too at the end for conversing with her mom towards the end with no thanks for Susie. Um, one question right after Larry notices that Big Dog has locked him out. Stu comes in to give Larry a hug, which Larry, of course, refuses. Then he asks Larry if he's still in for dinner, for dinner to which Larry, of course, honestly says that things aren't good with him and that lady and that he has to cancel. Then Stu says, oh, are you going to give that same bullshit excuse that Jeff gave? Uh, the question I have is, how does Stu know that it's a bullshit excuse? At this point, he thinks, based on Jeff's bullshit excuse and Larry's lying tone, that things genuinely aren't good between him and Susie, and that Jeff is having an affair. He doesn't know yet that Jeff is lying about the whole thing. He will find uh, out in the conversation. I think it's so, the, the use of the exact words by Larry. Yeah, I think that's the, what it is also. The fact that he says the same words now makes the whole Although, thing again, could, Yeah, it makes them both. It's the same. Yeah, it's uh, the same reason why when they both try and pull the move of the, 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 wrong, the wrong day at the party. Right. I was I was going to compare it to, to later on when they do the uh, the accidental text on purpose. It's yeah. like once you once you realize that it's oh, this is a lie. The other use of it was probably also a lie between these two lying asshole friends. Like, <laughs> yes. this, this is like one of their cons that they do. Yes. Jeff is um, That's true. Yeah. Okay, Actually, hold next. on. I, I have a question. So, um, you know, we when we talk about the worst person, we always talk about who the title holder is. And Jeff has been the title holder for a while but for raping. Not- uh yeah, that's What's her name. Bad. Funkhouser's crazy sister, Bam. Funkhouser's crazy sister, Bam. Bam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very bad thing to do. Um, but we didn't discuss last week with our guest for Palestinian Chicken, Eileen Salatarov, is is saying LOL in person. Is that worse than what Jeff does? <laughs> so, I we, you know we kind and, of and have also to having like, an affair with your friend and all that other stuff, of course. But you know, yeah. I mean, it's like it's going to be really tough to beat Jeff. Because, like, I don't think somebody's going to do something worse on this. Although then we concluded that she isn't really mentally handicapped, right? Like, we don't really think she's. Yeah, I think they were just gaslighting her. Right. So that's bad, but not as bad. Um, Yeah, maybe we should, like, take just like kind of like put that off on its own islands because it makes it less Yeah. Yeah, Jeff is retired. That that one incident of Jeff. All right, so then who takes Um, over? Is it Eileen then who takes over? I don't know. Can we do this next episode? (laughs) All right, so then Jeff gets to hold on for two more episodes. I'd say, sure, or you're just yeah. saying this has been a long podcast. Yeah, I don't want to like not waste half an hour on <laughs> figuring out who the title holder of the. All right, we will have to is. waste half an hour, but uh, yeah, another time. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it another time. Let's uh, yeah. let's finish up the postman and go to sleep. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, Joshua Schmitz writes, hello, gentlemen. Coming off last week's fantastic episode, this one is average at best with a few memorable scenes. The come with Gallows Antoinette for getting Larry's life back together all in one day. Uh, fucking asshole is Dino for taking advantage of Larry's generosity. You never give up a cupboard. And he gives it two pretties out of five, which brings us to Jim Crumley, who says another solid episode sandwiched around the greatness of Palestinian chicken. Two and a half out of five. Um, I wonder, yeah, do you think they make um, 
a Palestinian chicken sandwich or it's just like a chicken on the bone situation? Well, when we saw it on the plate, it looked like it was just um, yeah, it was on a it was it was a uh, platter. It was not a sandwich. Yeah, yeah they should they should sell a sandwich. Well, I'm sure they do. Um, I'm sure the options are you can get it in a pita, you can get it on a plate as a platter. I'm sure. Right. Know. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, okay. So yeah, he says uh, you're two sitting and a half down at the five. restaurant. You take the platter. Yeah, two and a half out of five for Jim. Uh, he gives his come with guy to Richard Lewis. He has a strong. He has had a strong season, and he's backing up Larry over Larry's fictitious weight in the doctor's office. Is a classic. Uh, for the fucking asshole, he says Dino. Um, explaining that Harry Hamlin places a great plays a great entitled douche. I'll be interested to see where he ends up in your list of actors not playing themselves. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really like resonate for me that much. It's hard for me to gauge. I I, I do know that LA Law was a very big popular show, um, so yeah. he probably was a household name. But like, he's not to me at all. So it's yeah. hard for me to grade him. No, I agree. To uh, me, yeah, Harry Hamlin is. He's like, I mean, you know, honestly, I know more from Edmund. And I think actually we may yeah. have another uh, a guest coming up soon who is also uh, uh, both on Curb and Mad Men. In fact, he's, yeah. in, uh, he's in scenes with uh, Harry Hamlin's character, I think. He might be. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll see if he comes on. He, he said he would, and uh, we haven't heard from him a little bit. Um, ah, yeah, okay. We'll see. Um, yeah, so he also, uh, Jim also mentions uh, Michael Gross, who plays Dr. Rifkin, who was in Family Ties um, in the 80s. So he, yeah, another Wait, one that. The dad from Family Ties? Um, is he the dad? I don't even, he's in Family Ties. I don't know if he's a dad. I guess he probably is if that's what he's no known for. Way. He played that's Stephen the, Keaton. Yeah, that's like the that's like the main second to main guy after Michael J. Fox. There you go. Did you never see Family Ties at all? Um, I don't think I ever like watched an episode. Oh, but I like mean, I've seen I've seen clips of Michael J. Fox scenes. But as soon as yeah, well, I mean, as soon as you said that he's from Family Ties, I immediately said, oh yeah, that's the dad. Like in my there head, you go. I immediately re- re- realized that. That's yeah, crazy. he has a very, very long filmography as well. Like just tons and tons and tons yeah. of stuff. Um, uh, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah, Michael J. Fox will be uh, turning up in uh, five or six episodes from now. So, yes. um, by the way, Michael J. Fox, uh, guess how many years difference in age there are between him and his uh, father and family ties? The actors. Yes, the actors. Um, I will say 41 years. No, no, but I reverse it. 14. Oh, oh, they're that Hold close. Okay. Hold on a second. So Michael J. Fox, who's like in his 60s now. So you thought that this guy was like 100. So then he was 90 when he was playing Rifkin. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, much. that didn't work out. I guess we were saying sense. Yeah, I, I didn't put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So we got a few more. Uh, first uh, of what we got left is from Jared Jerome, who says this was an interesting one. On the one hand, Larry just loaded that episode up with material characters, storylines and observations. Just look at this list of classic Seinfeldian observations addressed. The high pitch lies, return or not return the money in a relationship, shitting where you eat, the awkward hug, talking during sex, the doctor's waiting room, office space, politics and talking in the third person, to name a few. So it was chock full of things Larry had on his mind and then came together fairly nicely for the most part. But for whatever reason, I just didn't find the episode to be that funny. Not a lot of laughing, sort of the opposite of the Bear Midriff, which had numerous hilarious hijinks, but didn't really make much sense or come together. For his Seinfeld connections, he talks about Larry and the hostess discussing talking during sex and making out, which was discussed by Jerry and Elaine slash Sandy in the pilot when Sandy uh, was method acting the Elaine character. Uh, during the early Lewis Larry lunch, Larry both dropped a get out and they discussed Rifkin, a serial killer dermatologist. We talked about that. Just that happens to be very random that he that uh, that we uh, we came across that in a very circuitous uh, manner. But, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we covered that as well. Uh, Miriam the Rat, played by Lauren Bowles. Uh, we talked about her familial relationships, and he mentions that he was she was a waitress at Monks. Uh, Big Doe, Big Dog Dino does a lot of third person talking, much like her old friend Jimmy. And of course, the awkward kiss hello. 
uh, much like the hug here for his come with guy. He says, for the first time, I'm going to give the come with guy to more than one person. How about the mother daughter tag team of Antoinette and Rosemary? Both Ooh. can organize an office, are there at the drop of a hat and the jo- when the job calls. Don't blame Larry for the death of their father slash husband, as would erroneously happen in most curb episodes. And while they never did get, get that cabinet back, we're willing to take on the Dino dog. Listen, it was a low bar to clear this week. Wow. So he uh, splits the difference between you and I. Uh, yeah, he does a combo. I don't think anyone's ever done that before. The uh, combo outside the box, the, the O'Malley combo, combo platter. Yeah. Um, for his asshole of the week, he says this category had more competition. You have Dino who barges into Larry's office space and somehow thinks it's okay to steal his cabinet space and more importantly, not return it when confronted, all while acting cool as if he really thinks this is normal human behavior. There's Patrick who gives the awkward hug hello, which is bad enough, but continues to do so even after basically being begged not to multiple times. Yeah, Patrick about- definitely was a super spreader of COVID. Yeah, how about Dr. I mean, Stu, Stu, excuse me. He browbeats his patients into getting full body exams, asks Larry why his friend canceled an appointment with no knowledge that Larry had anything to do with it, pulls Larry over on the highway to accost him, and of course, lock down that full body exam. Yeah. And you know what? Basically... Uh, Jared's right. No means no, Dr. Rifkin. And then he was basically screaming during a funeral. <laughs> but he played the father and family ties, so I'll let it slide. Yeah. You know who didn't play the father and family ties? How about one Lauren the Rat Bulls? She bursts on the scene, assumes she can tell with certainty when someone is lying, and then tattles on Jeff without even knowing for sure, to Susie of all people, that yeah. Jeff was cheating on her. It's one thing to tattle. It's another thing to break up someone's marriage. But telling Susie that Jeff is cheating is tantamount to murder in the first degree. And yeah. probably about a PTSD for anyone in the area when she finds Jeff, in the case, our lovely co-com with gal Rosemary, who will now never get over her grief. Yeah, that's a great point by Jared, um, of course, since he agrees with me. But uh, I'm definitely going to cancel for saying this. So maybe this is the last time we do this podcast. But, you know, like like the, the idea of like how it's it's almost like an act of murder to like call or I mean, people, certain people allege this to call the police on an African-American because you're like endangering their life uh, unnecessarily. And it's sort of the same way with Susie. And now you can cancel me. Um, Susie's a crazy person with a violent temper. Like if you call Susie and tell her somebody else has done something terrible to, to her like cheat on her. Yeah, I agree with this. Uh, I think that if uh, whatever violence she commits, oh, there's the answer. You know why Susie doesn't go to jail for um, beating up Antoinette's mother, Rosemary? Because she, they, um, they used her to get up the chain to the real, vic- to the real evil one, which is Miriam. <laughs> okay. so she agreed to testify against Miriam and Miriam's the one serving time now. Got it. And that's why we, that's why we, don't, see, her that's why we don't see her again. We see yeah. Susie a lot. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's like Darren. You're not going to be seeing her for a long time. <laughs> All right. For his ranking, he says overall. Yeah, it is I interesting said, that in Seinfeld, yes, the, uh, the intern took the fall for the whole operation. Yeah. They always do. Yeah. Um, Lots of moving parts. Some of them landed, some didn't. Love the effort, but lacking the laugh out loud moments and some of our favorite characters like Leon and Funk. I ranked this episode right behind its bizarro self, Bear Midriff, at 38th of 74, making it pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's three pretties and two no pretties right in the meaty part of the curve where it belongs. Not showing off, not falling behind. Congrats to LD, Shave Dog, and the crew on a job done. Mm. We now go to William Blake, who says, hey, Alex and Av, my name is Will, and I'm hellbent on shitting where I eat. Did Larry turn into Richard Lewis this episode, dating a beautiful woman with entanglements? For his come with guy, he says, Jeff, he is honing his excuse tools with him and Larry. Iron sharpens iron. Bonus, do you you remember who says that? You completely forgot all of Survivor. Yeah, of course. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I never know with you. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, uh, I wrote I wrote you a line, uh, a, a, a card quoting him for some I, strange reason. I remember that as well. Oh, and then I showed um, it to you, which is also strange. You you put it on Twitter. Oh, yeah. He responded to it. Well, that's also yeah. strange. 
Yeah. He's a strange guy. Well, I'm a strange guy, but yeah. You're all strange oh, guys. Yeah. He's he's stranger. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, was on TV. As a bonus, he provoked the Susie Brawl, which is always a plus. For the fucking asshole, he says, Dino, an unreasonable tool with an ego to match. Two and a, five, two and a half, three out of five. Not a fan of this episode compared to others in Curb. It's tough sl- sledding following Palestinian chicken. Hmm. Second uh, sled reference on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, Rosebud. Um, okay, two more to go. We have... I, next like, this, is I at- like this big meaty mailbag. Yeah, very meaty mailbag. Keep them coming. Yeah. I mean, if it gets to a certain point, we may have to then become more discerning. But for now, you, we'll you got to get in out. You send in letters now and you grandfather your way. Right. In. You got grandfather your way. Then you're automatic. Right. Yeah. Then the the, uh, the newcomers get them in before uh, yeah. before season 11. We might yeah. have an influx of new folks. I think Jared Jerome sometimes takes advantage of that with the length of it. Although this was this was a good one this week. So I like it. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Okay. Zach Brooks says, who keeps a box of pasta in an office cabinet? I don't even think I saw a stove to boil water there. <laughs> Uh, wait, who had the pasta? Larry did? No, the other. Uh, Dino. Do you know? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, he asks, what's our go-to office snack? Uh, that involves going to an office. I haven't been there in a while. Yeah. Um, I do cashew. I have like a big thing of cashews from Costco that I keep under my desk. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have any snacks in my office. Uh, I just drinks, I'd say. Probably seltzer is the thing. Yeah. Answer. I try to bring fruit, um, but I don't uh, remember to. Yeah. Are um, you back in the office all the time now? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, I kind of want to be honestly. I'm definitely but, more productive at work than I was yeah. at home. Yeah, but uh, it's it's hard to justify the commute when oh, nobody I work with is there, so I just be going to Zoom with people anyway. Right. Um. Yeah. So Zach continues. He says Zari should have felt her drawing her smiley face, as you said earlier. Although people shouldn't be offended by the smiley face, it's clearly a sunburn. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Like they like he didn't do this on purpose. Yeah, but he wore he he didn't wear a hat on purpose. You know, I guess yeah. um, fucking asshole of the week is a close race between dog and Heidi. And also, wait, how, how does one know that it's on purpose? Like and that it's not. On well, purpose, it's, I, mean. I, I guess like um, if somebody has something uh, uh, from a suntan, like a specific word or shape on their forehead, you probably think they did it because they think it's funny. I guess. Yeah, probably. Um, I remember at camp. They used to do that uh, to, to other people, though. They would ask. They would use lotion on people like if they fell asleep, but, like the, the lifeguards always were doing that. I, it I remember, puts lotion. Yeah, I remember. I remember a lot of penises uh, uh, in suntan and sunburns on people's uh, like cheeks. Hey, um, okay. Uh, fact, fucking asshole of the week. Close race between dog and Heidi, but Doctor Rifkin is the winner of the week. Heidi, he bro- why? Just because of the no, Doctor Rifkin. Doctor Rifkin. Doctor Rifkin. Uh, oh, okay. Doctor Rifkin is the winner this week since he broke HIPAA and interrupted a funeral procession. Yeah, three per days out of five. Hmm. And uh, finally, we end off with Olin Allen, and he says, thank God I am in the middle of a rewatch of Mad Men, would have spent the whole episode wondering where I recognize Stu from otherwise, but now he is fully rather than vaguely placeable. Mm. Um, I thought he was going uh, with Harry Hamlin there. Yeah, should have been eating some Uts chips, though. Still have a couple seasons to go to catch up with Dino Dog in Mad Men. Yeah, the episode oh, okay. has a couple of great moments. The Dino bust ups were superb and another great fun interaction with Lewis at the restaurant. As lawyers yourselves, did you ever study the intonation of defendants at the Watergate trial? Um, I don't believe that came up in any of my classes. No. Seems like classic syllabus work. Of course. Um, he says also he thought the ladies in the show were great. Loved Rebecca Kreskov's hand movements slightly out of time with Larry as he was going giving back the pen and how she delivered lines with some stuttering hesitation as, she's, as she was about to break up. Antoinette superbly balanced the focus on her lingering father with distress at Larry giving up a cupboard. Still, just didn't quite hit home. Would have been better if they cut Larry eating where she, he sat to proceed the office scene and end on Susie bitching about Jeff fucking Antoinette's mother. 
And he gives the episode three and a half out of five pretties about my base level for a decent average episode. Come with Gal. Can I finally make, can I make this a family affair and have it be both Antoinette and Rosemary? No way. So, wow. Owen and Jared on the same page. And as it turns out, our hour two come with Gal's. I picked Antoinette. You picked Rosemary. So yeah. it seems uh, we're all uh, what a beautiful on the family. same, uh, yeah. the same wavelength here. Yeah. Um, also treated Larry with plenty of respect at the funeral. Uh, finally, for his fucking asshole of the week, he says it has to be unanimous for Dino this week. What an, abs- what an absolute bell end. I don't know that word, but I assume it's bad. He clearly set a cabinet and he thinks that gives him carte blanche to take multiple cabinets. And then maybe the not the worst eventually. of all, yeah. but well up there. Obnoxious, self-absorbed, crap for brains, boulevard. A boulevard, a real boulevard. Yeah. So in the world of Curb, in the, the world of Curb, L.A. Law exists because Larry wrote an episode yes. of Seinfeld where L.A. Law exists. It exists. The real yeah. world. Okay. <laughs> it's the pre 2000 is the normal world. Yeah. But, but then, but then Harry Hamlin. So, I mean, it doesn't, Larry doesn't say, Hey, you know, you kind of look like the guy from LA law, Harry Hamlin. Yeah. 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 We've had that. Right. You should write. I, I had this with Hurley. This is more obvious, but yeah, I mean, this is going to start yeah. happening more and more. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. As we get more and more uh, yeah, celebrities coming on. All right. I'll get to the final episode ratings in a second. Um, I oh. just want to do a quick, 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 quick plug for myself. Not next week, but this past week, I was on the uh, the Movie Ladder podcast um, as they covered Boogie Nights, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, so if you want to hear me talk about Boogie Nights with uh, Zach and Brendan, you should go check that out. By the time this comes out, that will have already come out. No, it's the opposite. It's fine. I thought about it. Hold on. <laughs> when this comes out, I, I just listened to their episode where they said that right? next week they have you. Right. But this is going to but this is going to this is going to be posted in like two weeks from now. Yeah. So by the time this is posted, that already happened. Right. Right. So that's what I said. Oh, so I said it's, I was available, it's available to be listened to. Yeah, I got it. Okay. That's what I just said. I was on. I was I said I was on the podcast last week. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, and people yeah, should yeah, go yeah. check I'm it out. I'm a moron. Yeah, yeah, of course. OK. Yes. Yeah. So let's just quickly do a quick, uh, quick overview of the, uh, the episode rating. Um, so we had a score from the audience overall of 2.78. That was their average. Um, you gave it a two. I gave it a two. That brings the overall grade to 2.26, which makes it the 71st overall ranked episode out of 75 so it really the audience really uh oh not even the audience i guess we were lower on it that's weird though that like we both had it like at 66 and then it fell to 71 relative the audience i think yeah all right maybe my spreadsheet is fine no i I mean i mean Um, that's weird well not not really because when when you do cumulative rankings things are gonna especially at the very top and the very bottom things are going to be much higher and much lower than their average because that could be right. They, the audience rank though is also sixty six. Right. So like, the audience rank is sixty six. Yeah. My rank, your rank was like sixty six, and and they, we all had sixty six, but then t- together it fell to seventy one. Yeah, that because how how often are happens. all three of us in agreement that something's bad? Right, right. There's like, usually I'll one give of you an us example. that knocks it up. I, epi- I got it. I got if it. If an episode's yeah. average ranking is like thirty, it's going to be in the top ten. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the aggregate saying this is a bottom five episode. Which, yeah. um, yeah, I didn't necessarily That's feel like far. that. I didn't, yeah. yeah, it didn't feel, it didn't feel that bad. I, I didn't think it was bad at all. I just thought it wasn't, a, a, you know, an above average episode of Curb. Yeah, I think it's a clearly below average. Uh, yeah. But like, I think there's, like, I think there's definitely some element of like a, a harder curve now. Like, there's like sure. some of those, yeah. se- some of those season one, season two episodes are much worse than this. Yeah, you're graded on a curve. Absolutely. Next week, we have a vow of silence. Uh, a friend who has taken a vow of silence will create a stir at multiple parties. Uh, Larry eats Jeff's dog's last meal. Uh, Richard is snubbed, meeting Larry for lunch. 
Uh, we got a whole bunch of uh, interesting guests uh, next week. We have Cedric Yarbrough, Rich Sommer, Brian Husky, Michael Hitchcock, Michael McKean, Brett Gailman. If you don't recognize all those names, I promise you recognize all those faces. And maybe uh, you'll recognize one of their voices next week because you and I will not be taking a bio silence, but we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be back next week. I, ho- I hope we do have that guest now that I promised it, because if we don't, it would be awkward. And then maybe I will have to take a vow of silence. I know this episode was long, but I hope that it's also. So Keith is a researcher for NBC and you're a researcher for Keith. <laughs> yeah, and he's not paid well, but uh, at least he's paid. <laughs> That's true. It's like, like Alex, <laughs> Robbie, research this stat.